You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Runeterra. My name is Marco the Lit from outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and with me tonight is my legendary and ever faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. And along with him, we have the eternally optimistic and catastrophically creative Gibbles and Bits. Boys, how we doing tonight? I'm going to throw it to Gibbles first. How you doing tonight? I prefer man or men, but I'll take it. I'm doing well. Wait, what did I call you? Boys? Boys. I prefer, Boys. Est- I prefer esteemed gentlemen. Esquire. I, I, I knighted. Yeah. Can I get knighted or something? I need a better title. Pod- podcast <laughs> co-host. Yeah, At least well, I didn't call DBN like podcast co-host and you, buddy. So yeah, hey, hey there, guy. <laughs> podcast co-host and friends. Hey there, pity edition. How you doing tonight? <laughs> oh man, man. Well, hey, it's a Monday night. That means it's time to record some Legends cast, and yeah. uh, I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited. We got a lot to talk about tonight, guys. We have more to talk about Very than true. we know what to do with. Yeah, seriously, oh. we're gonna have to we're gonna have to control ourselves throughout the course of this episode because there's so many cards that come out. This is this is why I'm like, please, uh, riot! Give me a, a an extra week on the reveal season so it's just not sensory overload. Like, <laughs> I'm constantly it's just like riding a roller coaster with reveals every day, which can be fun. But when you have to talk about it on a podcast, you're like, ah, too much. <laughs> Well, I literally think, uh, like, there was times when I remember in Hearthstone that you would get a reveal week and you'd get seven cards, right? Yeah, right. And, and we're getting, like, 15 cards, like, just a uh, spoiler, spoiler alert. Guys, we got to focus on the champions this episode because if we recorded an episode that covered all of these cards, you would have to listen to six and a half hours of podcasts this week, probably. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. And this comes out, like, I don't know, five, six hours, or maybe we'll release it a day early if I get it done. Uh, to to get it to you a little early so you can listen to your thoughts. So, like, we're doing some champion focus tonight as sort of the primary bones of the show because mm-hmm. there's just too much. But um, but both of you guys competed in the league, and I wanted to make sure that we at least touch on the Allegiance League. Uh, somebody tell me about that because uh, you guys you guys came in in the finals, right? We did. Yeah. Uh, both of us ended up ranking within the top four. There was somewhere between twenty and I think twenty and thirty. Uh, participants in the league throughout all of Swiss. And after the dust settled after four rounds, we have uh, a top four cut. DBN and I both made it, but due to us having already played and we would have played again in the semis and us, neither of us having the intention to take home any prize money uh, that is being offered for the league or any gifts um, at all, regardless of our placement within the top four, we graciously agreed, both of us, to shake hands, fall on our sword, and allow and step aside and allow the other two who placed fifth and sixth to step up into third and fourth. So we really have some good, um, diverse competition. I'm happy to see that we have some new faces also competing within the top uh, four as well. Even though it's a smaller cut, we still have some new faces, which is always a good feeling. Um, so congratulations, top four, to Nerf Lulu, who is a not a new face. He's won one of our previous seasons before. So yep. mm-hmm. um, he is sitting at our top seed second. We have Gangsta Bob uh, sitting at our second seed. 
uh, Chroma GG at our third seed and Mystic at fourth. So the top four, them four, they will be playing their semifinals and finals matches whenever they can get it together over the next week or so um, when they can get with each other. Get it together. When they can get it together. When, yeah, when they yeah. can get with each other to figure it out. To, f- to figure it now, out. Now, guys, I asked this, and yes, this is what's going on with League, and congratulations to the top four, and good luck getting to, you know, number one and all of that. We're excited. We're very excited. But that's not really what I was asking about. You guys had Jeez. to face each other to oh, see who yeah. would get to the top four. And you want to talk about that, DBN? <laughs> and one of you lost, and I want to know what happened because I yes. didn't read in the Discord what happened. So what's oh, going wow. on? Oh, wow. So you're spoiler-free. Well, let me tell I'm you. I'm spoiler-free. I just know who won. Yeah, let me tell you, uh, it didn't go uh, as as uh, anticipated uh, for multiple reasons. Uh, first reason, because I lost, which pff, that never happens. <laughs> no I one beg to differ. That. I feel like it went no right before the plan. Good enough happened. Second reason, uh, because Gibby and I were played almost identical lineups, which I guess we can talk about now. Um, we played uh, throughout the course of the tournament. And so we said when we were matched up, we we're both three and zero. We said, "All right, uh, to figure out because we didn't. We I guess I guess we could have sorted it out, but like we didn't figure we'd both end up in the top four. But with me losing, um, I guess my my strength of schedule was still really strong, so I ended up making it in as one of the two three and one players to to make it in through this the math of it all, I suppose. But um, no, we uh. We determined that we were going to ban all champions that were in any of the the lineups that we'd already run. Uh, so we had to, and then and then we did a snake draft of all the regions uh, to determine who got to play which region, so that uh, and and then uh, so that you didn't play the same ones, right? Oh, and then we uh, and then we played a exhibition Yeti versus Yeti game. Uh, to see basically as a coin flip to see who would draft first, and wow, when, the, when all of this, sad. yeah, we we basically spent a lunch uh, doing doing this, uh, and we got to the end, and uh, we all were kind of, uh, and we were sitting there, and we made our decks within about what two hours, and then if played. that, if yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, we 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 played the Yeti game. I think at like one o'clock at lunch, and then yeah. drafted at two thirty when we had five minutes in between work because we both work from home. And then we had after we got off of work at five, we were like, let's create some decks. So we we individually created our three decks. I had Demacia, Targon, and Sharima, and Ian had um, P and Z. Ionia and Bilgewater. So mm-hmm. we each had our three regions. We created some brand new decks with no champions we had previously used and wow. logged on at like eight thirty nine o'clock and said, let's do silly nonsense battle. And yeah, which which Ionia is way harder when you're not allowed to use Zed or Aurelia, uh, as I found out. Uh <laughs> I know. Because because my my deck was uh I think it was Lee Sin Lulu. Um, was the one oh, I drafted yes. for some reason. So I thought about going Lulu Shen, but I thought that you know what, I'm gonna get spicy. So I ended up making Karma Lee Sin. Uh, it it uh, didn't didn't do great, but that's all right. Uh, neither did the rest of my decks. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so Gibby ended up winning three uh, zero. Although I will say, in my defense, the closest game, which was the Bilgewater versus Demacia, I believe. 
Yes. Uh, that game was pretty close, uh, and it did come down largely to the fact that I drew all three copies of the Dreadway uh, that I had put as my top end. Oh, uh, no. I drew all three copies in the first three turns uh, and was like kind of like living on top decks for a while. <laughs> and then I, 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 steal a, uh, I stole an Egghead Researcher uh, with a nab, play the Egghead, and get Kadrigan for a 9-drop. So, like, I just started... My hand was clogged full of 8 and 9-drops for the entire last bit of the game. It was uh, which, unfortunate. Which is confusing to me, because I've got three or four units of Demacia on board, and he's got eight cards in hand. And I'm like, why isn't he playing any spells? All he needs... He needs one Make It Rain. He needs one Powder Keg of any sort, any spell to Could kill not. anything. And the only time he got to kill something on my board through a spell was the concerted strike that he also stole yeah so i wasn't it, drawing i wasn't drawing removal spells in a bilgewater uh mid-range deck it was it was it was hilarious needless uh, to say it was really fun i loved yeah. the rules it was a great idea by by dbn to do the whole uh region drafting and if it wasn't so time consuming to do i would absolutely have suggested it as a future league idea mm-hmm. for the format it's yeah, really not, cool not gonna lie like region drafting was sick I, I like I it's a lot it would never work for a full league um but it would be really interesting to see as like an exhibition match sort of format uh between like two top players or something like that mm-hmm. um I I actually just genuinely had so much fun with the format and uh, uh despite getting uh riggedy riggedy wrecked uh, we did have a lot of fun. <laughs> it was it was really fun. Yeah, I actually my think my favorite deck that I built there. I did I drew like a I it's which probably doesn't sound super interesting, but I drew a kind of a a unique ish um dragon deck with Demacia. But my favorite was I ended up playing which was different than everything else that I had seen across the league with Targon. I had seen a lot of Zoe Asol, which kind of I don't want to say That's it builds. Played, yeah. I don't want to say it builds itself because it doesn't. You do have a lot of options and what you can put in that deck, but, but the, you pretty the much chain... just look for the word invoke and then put all of those. <laughs> right. I mean, but the... <laughs> it's kind of done at that point, right? The play style kind <laughs> of invoke, hush, and then the deck's kind of done, right? The, yeah. the, the 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 deck kind of leans towards a one certain kind of play style for sure. But you, you've got some tech cards that you can put in there. But I ended up doing. I, and I had any option I wanted to in Targon because the three decks that we had played were in our yeah. league were Aurelia, were uh, Aurelia and Zed. Zed. We played Talia and Akshan in a mm-hmm. which was a really fun deck and really good deck. And then fun. our Freljord deck was uh, Sedge and Ash with the the Den Mother um, Wolfpack mm. on the top end, which was ended up being pretty nice. Yeah. Um, but I ended up making for my Targon deck. I made Leona Malphite. Oh, interesting. And, and it was, and as an Allegiance deck, it worked out pretty fine. I mean, so Leona's not played anymore, really, just because she's not in that great of a spot. She feels a bit weak, but she did receive over, over a couple additional patches past kind of her prime, as I'll call it. She did receive some extra tools, like that Sunhawk that stuns mm-hmm. the strongest enemy on two. Oh, yeah, right? people and, forgot about that, but that's really good. And even the uh, the kind of Celestial Ram that, stuns a follower and then stuns a follower again moonlight affliction went ham which was it was yeah. brutal 
Yeah, um, I, I was so it was good. Elusives uh, uh, in PNC for that one, and he drew both his Moonlight Afflictions and like two hushes. So I'm sitting there and like my my big uh, augmented, like my huge augmented elusive Nyandroids and ballistic bots and everything are just getting reverted back to one attack and oh, non elusive every single time. Yeah, it was brutal. Uh, but uh, we had fun, and uh, and honestly, um, you know the decks that we put together that were like our, our actual competitive decks for when we were playing everyone else, I felt like they were excellent. I felt mm. like our lineup that we, that the two of us kind of collabed on and, and stuff like that uh, worked really, really well. I mean, I think frail Yord uh, was possibly the most straightforward and like understandable to create, but I sure, do think yeah, that we sense. got the, I do think we got the numbers on everything ironed out really, really effectively to which the deck just just flowed which i feel like can sometimes be an issue with frailyard considering like you don't have too much resource extension so you really have to hit your curves as optimally as possible and like six great three drops yeah yeah (laughs) yeah a lot of competition there yeah for sure um and then the it's so funny because we hinted at this last week but uh talia and uh akshan that we built both gibby and i had kind of tinkered with some decks and when we when before the league started uh we jumped on a call and we were chatting about it we'd both come up with talia and akshan but separately and we had about 30 to 32 cards that were the same but then wildly different tech choices for the last eight to ten and we kind of were working back and forth on that and paring it down it was it was and honestly i mean i think that that deck felt like the the deck that could beat anything that had the deck. That was the deck that had the least amount of holes. It had the least amount of weaknesses. Yeah. Like it mm-hmm. was just solid, no matter what it was up against. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Which was which was so cool. Like it, it, it never and, blowed. It didn't blow out games very often. Mm-mm. But but it absolutely had like. And maybe this is a testament to Sharima as a region. But it really didn't have weaknesses. No, I mean, I mean, on average, I probably had seven. I will say anywhere between five to eight health at the end of the game when I would win a game. Like it was, it wasn't like it was blowing stuff out. Like it wasn't like it was so strong defensively until it got to its win con, but it was just a really solid deck. And I think the landmark, I mean, we're still seeing more landmarks kind of come through and I'm curious and excited to see where Talia goes specifically. I think Talia is going to be coming, become, if not uh, already one of the most intriguing champions with her play style around landmarks now being such a pillar of the game i i love that deck i there might even be some tech choices that we end up putting in later but you could run it i i would love to build that deck and make it non-mono and see if there's any other efficiencies to add to it because i loved the play style i think it was fantastic i honestly feel like uh, a good conversation and we're going to move on here but a good conversation in the future would be um after like i'll look back right like we, we you give the feelings on Targon, 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 and then all the Targon cards are out. Look back. Now that we have them all, how mm. well-rounded is it as a region? Sharima, Sharima, Sharima. We gave a ton of thoughts on Sharima during various points. After Akshan has come out, let's look back at Sharima and feel like, how solidified is it as a region? Let's give it ratings in terms of power level, in terms of sort of competency, in terms of like across the board, how many things can it do? And then in terms of like overall flavor and theming like does it feel like it has a comprehensive and solid like grasp on whatever the shreema theme is because that's so convoluted until literally after the hero expansion i feel like after aphelios 
we had a fuller feel of Targun. And it took until after Akshan came out for us to have a really solid feel of Sharima. It's weird yeah. that in like the three main expansions for it, it took until the hero expansion after the main expansions that you really got to the point where you felt like, okay, we actually have a region here. Um, it doesn't feel like it's partial. Like Sharima feels as much a part of the game as P and Z does to me at this point. You know? Yeah, I it, agree with that. It's not more, honestly. I feel mm -hmm. like Sharima is more part <laughs> well, of the game pretty, than, at times than P and Z. Uh, I, I think of like Ezreal and I'm like, okay, cool, P and Z. Um, so as uh. <laughs> that's and and that will be a relevant conversation because I absolutely share that thought of P and Z as a ultimate as as a whole. Like you might as well give him. Give Ezreal uh, a yeah, staff, yeah. a crown, and like a cape or like a just <laughs> yeah, and, a and a throne. Like he's just the king of and, and dress up Timo as a jester, right? <laughs> and Vi can be Vi can be like his like associate or his like confidant. Mm -hmm. And and Heimerdinger is out. Sheriff of Nottingham vibes here with there, Vi. there, Victor there and Vi are dead in a ditch outside of PNC oh, somewhere down near Zon. They're, <laughs> they're they're drowning in the moat outside if we're sticking with the medieval analogy. Yeah, so, and yeah. Heimerdinger's in jail. Yeah, yeah, where <laughs> he belongs. Where he nerf belongs. jail. Nerf jail. Yeah. You were you were once the king. You've been nerfed into jail. That's you know <laughs> you know I was thinking about this actually regarding Talia, uh, because I I really kind of believe that when you have a champion that comes out flat it's a little unfortunate because what happens is is for champions that come out hot everybody kind of seems to keep playing them and keep playing them and even if they get nerfed they still kind of stay up there because there is this ingrained idea of oh that champion is good it was good it's still good right but i've been feeling recently that the champions that come out and aren't very good and then like gradually get buffed what happens is there's almost like this like um, like a parabola, so to speak, of interest in the champion, where it starts like at zero because it sucks, and then it shoots up like when it gets buffed, and people are like, oh, wow, this is really cool. But then, just like with everything else in this game, it goes back down when the new cards come out, and people just kind of forget and forget. I mean, at least as a community, probably not that top tier of play where people are really you know, identifying what's sure. wrong and what's up. But like in terms of like the overall appreciation of the card, I just kind of feel crappy for for some of the champions like Talia, like Vlad has been in the past, where like it'll shoot up and play for a little bit and then just fade into oblivion because people are always interested in what that next hot thing is that just came off the printing press, the riot printing press, which I mean, right. we're going to start talking about some of those things today. But um, I really do feel like Talia, even post buff is uh, still gone back down off the parabola and to being like totally off people's radar and underrated. Which, you know what I say to that? Good, good. Let's let it stay <laughs> that way because that's where I thrive when it comes to deck building and I'm going to catch everybody off guard with something spicy in ranked. That's just the way I'm going to do it. It's true that people, people don't really know how to play uh, around Talia. Like they, they have a hard time like playing the game when Talia's on the board and um, if you can just get her spell shield, which you can do a couple different ways in Sharima, you're uh, ooh. <laughs> you're sitting pretty. Boy, howdy, are you in trouble? Yes. Yeah. Well, well. Yeah. well, I tell you what, guys, we're gonna jump over and say thank you to our patrons. Uh, if you support us on the show, 
thank you because the uh the region uh locked or like the mono region mm-hmm. uh tournament that we just did is, is compliments to you you guys made it happen so thank you so much for doing that we appreciate you we appreciate all of our supporters if you want to become a supporter of the show uh go head over to patreon.com slash legends or grab the link in the description of this episode uh you know consider us giving us uh 25 cents an episode that's a dollar a month or a dollar an episode. That's four bucks a month. You know, tip us five bucks a month, whatever you got to do. Um, and it does put you in a drawing, which there is a drawing. And we have, guys, this month, a first-time winner. But a long-time patron for this month's winner. The winner of this month, and I'm going to have to message him privately because I stay connected with him consistently. But I don't even think he listens to the show. He just likes us and keeps supporting us is Levi H, which is none other than Salty himself. Salty. <laughs> Salty the original. Salty oh, the original. The Salty. OG. Listen, after July of 2020, that is over one year of being a patron, he finally gets his name drawn and is winning a T-shirt. So, Salty, make sure you send me a link or send me uh, your address and what T-shirt you want, and I'll get it in the mail to you. And uh, we really appreciate you. Thank you for for your support. Probably the only person that consistently supports us and doesn't even play the game or listen to the show anymore. Um, <laughs> what a trooper. Uh, so, yeah, pretty awesome. So thank you. Thank you, Salty. We appreciate you, man, and appreciate all you've been and done for the community. And on top of that, I do want to take a moment and, and take a special moment and thank uh, both Jeff, our lead admin, um, who's part of the community, and the pain um, the pain who was the uh, dis- the league admin this time around ran that whole sucker by himself and did a really phenomenal job of it. So thank you, the pain. You're off the hook, dude. We really appreciate you. Um, I mean, really, really awesome. I'll give you guys a second to add a thank you in there if you want to for for Jeff and the pain because I know you guys really appreciate them as well. No comment. I'm, I'm just kidding. No, yeah. <laughs> both of you. Yeah, you guys are fantastic. You are are so active in our Discord and so cordial and kind. And um, also, your meme game is strong, which I appreciate in in our Discord. Even though sometimes it's directed at me, uh, it, it's 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 a pleasure to have both of you. And we don't know what we would do without you. Seriously, we don't. So thank you for all that you do. It is recognized from all three of us. And um, we are happy to have you guys around as friends, players uh, in the league, and just uh, just overall uh, Discord uh, cogs that make this whole thing work. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. And uh, we we've talked about death plenty, but instead of thanking the pain, which you guys have done, I will just uh, tell everybody that the pain did hit uh, Pokemon Master. Pokemon Unite, oh, that's which I thought was me. freaking uh, insane. So, so boom, uh, wrong game, but uh, I will instead of uh, thank God. you, I will compliment you and your pokey prowess. So, well, well done. Get it. Well, Payne, I'll come. I'll be coming to you when I get a switch. I'm wearing Mackenzie down. It's possible <laughs> we're getting yes. there. I might I, be getting a switch soon. I'm doing the same thing with my wife, but to get a king size bed, bro. I just keep asking her about it. I figured if I just persist. <laughs> Get a comfy one. She was one. looking at headboards tonight. <laughs> you only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. You better get the right mattress. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. Uh, otherwise, I'll be I'll be in trouble. Uh, anyway, uh, that's going to do it for this section of the show. We're going to go ahead and jump over into the main uh, subject for the show tonight. What the is that? 
Okay, guys, the main subject for conversation is going to be card talk, of course, because we are just a couple days from Bandle City coming out, and uh, and we're really excited for that. But last week, not so excited. In fact, the last week, our episode was entitled, Is This the Worst uh, Set for Legends of Runeterra Yet? Question mark, because it's a question. Uh, and if you listen to us, you would think, probably, if you were listening, I mean, even Gibby's eternally optimistic attitude was not at its same hyper level of positivity last week it was it was it was there he was positive but not as positive he could have been right the spirit the spirit was waning yeah the spirit was, was waning <laughs> and I, I think... was as far down in the trench of salt negativity and burn this whole damn thing to the ground as you could have been um, so. uh yeah it is i don't think i've been that uh uh, that irked in a long time. Uh, do, you, do you remember when we had a review that was like, these guys just complain about the game, like really early well, on? What else is podcasting but complaining? Come on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and I was like, and, but but last episode from from me and you both uh, was worse than probably, was probably worse than any episode. It was, it was probably the bleakest look for new cards that we've ever given. I think, I think that's you, entirely fair. I think you forgot, Mark, but before we we ever put out that episode, I did suggest a name for that episode, understanding what was going to happen, and named it suggested that we named the episode Scandal City. Oh, did I oh, miss that? Oh, shoot. We should have done that. It should have been Scandal. We can still do it. We can still do it. We'll do it this week. We'll, we'll do, do it this week. week. This Upbeat week's Scandal City. Scandal City. Scandal City. Because every... every Every good scandal has a cover-up attempt. And I think that that is what we're going to see tonight. This so, is our alibi. <laughs> so Scandal City Al- so that's so that's what we named the episode, Scandal City Alibi. Scandal City Alibi. Well, this episode we're going to be talking about new cards and spoiler alert, we're at least more optimistic. I would say probably considerably more optimistic even though we don't love everything that we're seeing, a lot more optimistic than we were last time and with no further ado we're going to jump into card reviews for this episode and in that we are going to be talking about specifically the champions we may talk about some support cards because of course some champions in a vacuum are trash without support cards that come with them but we're not going to go into detail of every card we might just briefly touch on a few of them i'm going to introduce our first champion the first champion that we're going to be talking about is caitlin caitlin is a piltover and zon only champion so PNZ. This was a champion that I didn't expect, but I was genuinely very excited for. She's sort of like a steampunky, uh, you know, secret agent sniper type character, and I, I love that vibe. Like, I, I super love Caitlyn's vibe, and she's just like another cool chick character. Um, once again, before I dive into her stats, uh, they did a really good job in Caitlyn's artwork of, of once again proving to me um, that the interest in the LOR artwork team is not just turning their characters uh, into sex icons, but continuing to prove to create just like really, really cool, powerful chicks in their game, which I appreciate. Caitlyn is a three mana three three with quick attack from PNZ, which of course we have lots of three mana three threes with quick attack, but the first one in PNZ that we have that has the ability strike plant two flash bomb traps randomly in the top ten cards of your enemy deck. Level up, five of your traps have been activated. Um, a Flash Bomb Trap is a zero mana trap card that when it is drawn, just like a mushroom, so just so you guys know, 
Mushrooms are also trap cards if you're unfamiliar. You won't be able to see them, but they are labeled with trap as well. So this will trigger off of both traps and or mushrooms and flash bombs. Um, flash bombs, instead of dealing one damage to the enemy nexus like mushrooms, do one damage to a random ally. So um, it could deal you know damage to anything on the board. Um, so board clear instead of damage to face. Once you've done five, she'll level up to a three mana four four, which we've been familiar with with strike. Plant four flash bombs randomly in the top 10 cards of the enemy deck. Then deal damage to the enemy nexus equal to the number of your traps activated this round. So she can deal, you know, double the damage of flash bombs were dealt to the board. She can then swing those to the face, or she could double the damage of the number of puff caps that you had drawn that turn as they're both traps. She has the Piltover Peacemaker, which is also going to be her champion card, which is a three mana fast spell that reads deal two damage to an enemy, which I believe is not going to be able to go to face, right? That does not go to Nexus, but it is creature or champion. And then plant two flash bomb traps randomly in the top 10 cards of your deck. Um, now, of course, with Caitlyn has come all sorts of cards that are also going to plant extra flash bombs in the deck. And you can imagine the sorts of cards that might do that, or you can look at them in our Discord. I'm going to uh, kick it over to uh, DBN first. I'm kind of curious about what you think about this card um, because I have a, I have a lot of thoughts on it, but I'm curious to know what you think about it. You can highlight any other you know additional support cards you want if you want to. Yeah, so I think uh, as far as this trap mechanic goes, I feel like Caitlyn is likely the most tolerable, the most interesting. Um, I think that the game is at its best when effects interact with the board state. And I do appreciate that the flash bomb traps, while still synergistic with a few of the cards we've seen in Bandle City that specifically call out traps, um, that this counts towards it. I much prefer this to puff caps. I much prefer this to the idea of like, well, let me just, you know, wait out the game and burn the face and pretend like I don't care about their board, which has been my problem in many cases with Teemo uh, throughout the the years uh my biggest issue with timo has always been the animation of the puff caps take too long and it's annoying uh but uh caitlin's all right my my thing with caitlin is i probably won't play and it just comes down to an interesting factor caitlin does what timo does but different it's not new it's not particularly innovative if you ask me um and i just don't think it's enough to get me interested in her uh, or in her kit. So, I, I mean, there are going to be people that like this, and that's totally fine, and I respect that. And I don't think I'm going to particularly be annoyed playing against Caitlyn. I just don't think that this is something that really stands out to me as the most innovative thing in this brand new set. Gibby? Uh, I agree. Um, so when I'm thinking about evaluating her, you're thinking about it from flavor, you're thinking about it from from how it's going to feel to play against her, to play her, the deck style, the deck type, and um, what the deck wants to do. I'm th and I, I thought about it more from a power perspective, I guess, or where I see this kind of fitting in and how it and how it's going to be played against other decks. And I this is probably... It, it sucks that we're starting off with this because I want to be like positive about a lot of the cards that were in here because I really do have a positive feel for a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight. Caitlin's probably one of the least interesting to me. Uh, her level up animation was dope, which I really, I really appreciated that. Honestly, all of them are, but yes. I look at her and some of her support cards and 
I, I, DBN kind of already said it. I feel like it's puff caps, but worse. It's, I mean, imagine traps coming off, ran, they're, because they're random. They randomly hit your enemies. So you'll probably get some lucky shots where they kill something that's got low health. But uh, half the time, you're, it's going to, uh, a, a flash bomb trap is going to randomly hit ping for one health, something that is going to end up trading that turn anyway. So it didn't do anything. It effectively did nothing for you. Um, or if, if you ping something, it's got three health and you pinged it for two, two health and now it's down to one. Well, they're probably going to reevaluate. This might not live next turn anyway. If I know there's more traps in my deck and they're going to trade with it. So the traps with the exception of leveling up Caitlyn, they don't necessarily to me do enough to, I think, be relevant. I think this is going to be kind of an underpowered archetype. Um, there's a couple support cards that, to me, that might make their way into other decks. Um, Insider Knowledge, the three-mana the three mana fast spell uh, for PNZ that says uh, both players draw two. That's interesting to me. Uh, I think mm-hmm. there's going to be a University of Piltoverns on or a Hexcore Foundry deck that will love that. Um, Station Archivist. Uh, so three cost three three play pick a spell in the top five cards of your deck and create an exact fleeting copy in hand so essentially drawing a copy uh, that you can play later on in, the, in that turn that's interesting to me but I I'm interested in those cards not with Caitlyn with other things so it's she she'll be interesting maybe she'll be a decent complement champion of some sort but I just it seems like another tunnel I've got to go kind of like team I've got to go all in on Caitlyn and all of the flash traps, and it just doesn't seem as good to me as maybe some other things are. Uh, that's interesting. So I, I was, uh, I'm actually very excited about Caitlyn, specifically because she is an early game aggressive statted PNZ champion, and we just, we don't really have that right. Like we have Timo, we have Easy, like we have a lot of late game stuff that you're trying to wait for. I would say that you know. Uh, you know, Victor's really not that. She's a three-mana 3-3 three, three with quick attack. Like, that's, I mean, we've proven that that's pretty good, um, especially if you can sort of ping stuff. And one of the things that I've disliked about Timo is it's like, Timo never impacts the board, right? Like, she, Timo never has any impact on the board. It's just like, your creatures are typically understated, so you're losing in trades and your goal is like put as many puff caps in deck as you can and chump lock. And then hopefully the puff caps and direct damage can win you the game before your opponent can get like that one turn to swing and win the game. And to me, what Caitlin says is I want to put traps in your deck so that as as a OK statted early game champion, um, we can control the game. Right. We can control the game. You can play this later. right? And you can play this with some puff caps from PNZ without having to play Teemo and all in on puff caps because you can play a few of them and each of those puff caps that spring are going to work towards leveling up your Caitlyn. So Caitlyn won't be all that difficult to level up, especially if you play her later in the game. And then she's playing as a creature that's saying, or a character that's saying, I want to actually control the board to win with my creatures by blowing up, pinging away, and giving you unfavorable trades with the stuff that you have on the board. I'm going to get more and more favorable trades just because you're drawing cards. I'm not going to kill you with the traps that I'm setting, but ultimately I'm going to eventually kill you with my creatures because my creatures are going to be able to trade with you well. So I think that Caitlyn might be able to be paired well with uh, an overstatted region, even something possibly like Freljord, 
um, that could uh, be able to do some puff caps and some Caitlin and maybe some Sejuani. Um, and maybe instead of Timo Sejuani, you run Caitlin Sejuani to sort of control the board, puff cap ping your opponent's face, level up your Caitlin. Maybe I'm crazy in that, but I feel like she is, she's not super pigeonholed into Timo Caitlin, which I love. Um, I think that she is a relatively flexible champion that likely won't level herself up, but she is capable of leveling herself up. Um, so you can actually, a lot of cards like champions, you, you can't just put it in the deck and it's going to level itself up very likely. Caitlyn can do that. You're probably going to have to run some stuff either for protection. The only other card I wanted to mention is Karina Mastermind. Um, play, plant five flash bump traps randomly or activate the effects of all traps in the top five cards of your enemy deck. Um, probably going to be a good team of finisher, right? Some of the, uh, the Bandlewater PNZ combo that we saw last time we did an episode. You play this at the top end and just try to like pull, you know, 10 damage off of puff caps with this card. Unless I'm misunderstanding it because DBN's laughing at me. Did you say Bandle Water? You said Bandle Water. Like Bilgewater and Bandle City combined. Was that was that intentional? Yeah, because you're gonna play Bandle No, no, because you couldn't do it. Uh yeah, no, Bandle City, not not Bandle Water. I am using that for any Bandle City. Yeah, Bandle City Bilgewater Bilgewater is Bandle Water. It's Bandle Water. That's dope. It It actually sounds kinda good, yeah. (laughs) You guys have anything else you want to add about uh Kareem or I'm sorry, Caitlin and and her various uh, additional cards, none of them are overly exciting. Like her additional, uh, cards super I, I I would say I have one thing to say about Caitlyn and one thing to say about her cards. The thing I want to say about Caitlyn is, um, I I have no clue if it'll be good or not. My gut tells me it'll be very middle of the road, um, but I I can't quite tell you because as evidenced by Draven and all these other goons, quick attacks a very strong keyword. Uh, and yes. three drop is possibly the most important uh, cost in the game in terms of like the tempo and when the game really like starts dictating the pace. Uh, so, which is just tempo. I just repeated myself basically, but that's okay. Um, my my whole thing with Caitlyn is just that I look at her leveled up art and she looks like super cool. And uh, I look at uh, and I don't know what she does in um, league. But to me, it looks like she's this really cool, like special forces. Like she's she's got this dope looking sniper rifle thing. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't feel like that to me um, from this, unless her whole shtick is going behind enemy lines and planting traps, which I kind of thought was like a Teemo thing. I'm just wondering how I, I'm questioned to you is how much does this really feel like Caitlyn from League and how Caitlyn plays. So, Caitlyn is a champion that does drop traps on the ground. Like, she'll throw traps out in front to immobilize and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but really what she does is her ultimate is it's like it doesn't matter how far away you are. If she can get you in anybody's sight, like, she can snipe you. And then when she shoots, it's like a load time. Like, you can see, like, the the red line coming for you from across the screen. Mm-hmm. And she picks out one person and if no one blocks it hits you for a huge chunk of damage right because she takes like a a sniper shot from way downfield and sure. i'll admit that there's not much of that going on that is pretty disappointing um in that way she doesn't really feel like the flavor of caitlin in my opinion she yeah, is an auto kinda... lose too tough that's all i'll say yeah probably that too yeah um, there's some truth to that i did want to highlight um the uh the support cards sting officer 
which is a two cost two one elusive. Uh, it's another elusive. It's a two drop. Uh, so hey, more elusives. Just always keep your eyes peeled for that when it comes to aggro. Plus, it has the ability to plant two flash bombs uh, on Nexus Strike. And then more than that, I wanted to point out ambush, which just seems a little, a little nutty. Uh, give a unit plus two attack this round. If you've added two plus cards to your hand this round, which as we've established with Bilgewater, cannot be that hard. Or not Bilgewater. Sorry, I said it now. Mark, Bandle City, uh, <laughs> uh, cannot be that hard. Uh, it also gains elusive. So for two mana burst speed, you can give something plus two and elusive on the condition that you've put one other card besides the one you've drawn into your hand. Uh, it seems good. That seems like it will see some play to me. Maybe niche, but I think the ability for it to double as a way to get a... Because like if you look at uh, Ghost, like the one mana uh, card in Ionia that gives elusive, um, that just gives elusive. And so if you don't need elusive, it's useless. Ambush is still useful to bump someone's attack by two, whether on defense to trade up uh, or to push damage, even if you haven't put that extra card in hand. But the ability to have that kicker of gaining elusive, both to attack with, but also potentially to block an enemy elusive with, that seems pretty good. Um, I, I think Ambush is is actually a really good card. You know, guys, this is a conversation for another day. But something that's really interesting to me is the roles that specific champions play in League of Legends. Um, there are, after this set comes out, there will be basically eight ADCs, attack, damage, carries, nine ADCs that are in the game. Seven of those ADCs cost three mana. The two that do not are Lucian at two mana and Jinx at four mana. Every other character that's an ADC in LOL, which includes, will now be Tristana, which we'll talk about, um, Misfortune, uh, it is Callista, uh, Ezreal, Caitlyn, Draven, and uh, Aphilios. All of those are ADCs. The only other two additional ones are, you know, Lucian and, uh, and Jinx. All of them are three cost. Um, so I, that's just interesting to me that, it, it, you know, a lot of our ADCs fall in the three cost with quick attack category um, or three cost with something, you know, semi-defensive, whether it's yeah. Yeah, fearsome, elusive, quick attack, something like that. Um, uh, I mean, I guess it makes sense from the perspective of they are just like an ADC, uh, kind of squishy as long as yeah. you can get them when they're not tearing down your health bar. <laughs> sure sure which which makes sense i mean it, it does fit but i, but I, just I do think, think it's, it's interesting why well, I, I think you're dead on actually especially from the perspective not that this has to be just like league but you know these adcs traditionally uh from my dota knowledge and translating that takes them time to get turned on they got to get items they got to get levels right but mm -hmm. yet in uh yet in uh, lor they come down really early in the game is the intention there that they are going to hopefully you can protect them for them to snowball the game for you like you can with LeBlanc and people like that? I think that's interesting. I don't have an Let answer, me, but I think it's to interesting. To be fair, Akshan could be an ADC, and I would just have no idea. That that could be the case. What were there you going to say there, Gibby? There are four words that I associate with these kind of champions from what it sounds like in League of Legends, but also how they play in, in Legends of Runeterra. There are four words. It's called, you better end me. Because if you don't, <laughs> then they just grow 
and they become and out true. of control. That's true. So at, at early, as as the DSDVN mentioned, when they come down, they take time to kind of get their engine running, start at the engine, get warm. It's only twenty degrees outside. You know, you gotta you gotta get the car warm before you dry off. So like it takes some time to get there where they're effective, but once they do, it's scary. So Bro. that's that's the way I think about it. Just, just think about this: the three cost champions, Zed. Not easy to get leveled up. When he levels up, he's insane. I don't mm-hmm. know about Triss. Soraka could be that. That's Riven when she levels up, insane. Rexai, insane. Misfortune, crazy. Lulu when she levels up, hard to deal with. Lissandra could win the game. Um, LeBlanc hard to deal with. Katarina we should never talk about. Um, <laughs> Fiora basically does just win the game. Azir, insane. Like yeah, a lot of these three mana champions. Not easy to level up, but once they do, can snowball and win the game. Really interesting. Maybe we got onto something with design there. Well, and uh, what you're looking at is the majority of three-mana champions require themselves to be there, getting the XP, getting the levels, getting the items. I'm, I'm using the analogy here. Sure, Whereas sure, yeah. you've got characters um, like Swain and Vlad. Uh, you've got characters that will and, and Malphite, they'll level GP, in your hand. Sejuani, yeah. yeah, they'll level in your hand as you do things, right? So they come down later in the game. This is just, I mean, you can leave the uh, LOL analogy here for a second if you want, because you're just looking at a mechanics perspective. If a champion is coming down that early, the, you, they are you're trading the benefit of, hey, I get a usually overstated or great keyword distributed character early but they have to live to see that maximum value whereas the things that you can't play until later in the game right they are going to be able to come down and realize that value assuming you've been playing towards them so really it's just a timing of the game perspective but i do think that it is interesting to say that wow they seem to really associate these adcs as um, these come down early, make a big impact, uh, keep them alive. Protect them. Protect yeah, them. them. And that really, it makes a lot of sense uh, from a design aspect. I really think you're hitting hitting the nail on the head here. Yeah, very interesting. Anyway, we got to go on to the next champion. And I think, Gibbles, you're up on this one, my friend. I am. It is a champion that I am actually very excited about. It is Mr. Vagar. First of all, before I get into the specifics of this champion from a stat distribution um, perspective or, or gameplay, can I tell you I have never been more excited to hear a champion's voice lines before <laughs> watching the video? This is flavor central. This is Sprite Cranberry. This is Coke Vanilla. This is so good in flavor that... This is. And vanilla usually is a bad term in games. It's like bland. No, I love Coke Vanilla. This is fantastic. I I couldn't be happier hearing him interact with other champions, other followers. It's so good. So good. He's, he's, he's like the evil, the, the tiny evil minion that you wish like was in the game a lot sooner. Um, from all of our childhood, that's always like, it, it kind of reminds me of like Mojo Jojo from like the Powerpuff Girls or something like that. Like he's... Um, he just got really great flavor. Anyway, so Vigar. Vigar is a four-mana multi-region champion for Bandle City and uh, Shadow Isles. He is considered a Yordle, so if we ever do get any, any cards that synergize, and we still might, that synergize with the Yordle uh, tribal tag, he will fit into that. So something important to note. So he's a four-cost, uh, one-four to start, so not great stats. 
Um, he says, when I'm summoned, create a darkness in hand if you don't already have one. Round start, grant one, grant your darkness everywhere one extra damage. So darkness is a, um, a SI, an SI spell, a three-cost slow spell that is non-main deckable. Uh, it says darkness slow, deal two to an enemy. So every round, Vigar will make that damage on your darknesses everywhere. I originally misread this card um, What and how he interacts with it. Um, make all of your darknesses everywhere increase by one damage. So that will scale quickly. His level up is you've dealt 12 damage with your darkness. His level up is Grand Overseer Vagar, or Vigar, depending on how you're pronouncing it. Uh, when I'm summoned and round start, create a darkness in hand if you don't already have one. Round start, grant your darkness area one extra damage. Your darknesses can target anything. So after having scaled your darkness, turn after turn after turn, and now they're dealing three or four or five or six, which I, we don't really know what's going to be common, what kind of roof, what kind of ceiling we're going to see on how where our darkness typically gets to. It's going to be probably very dependent on how early you draw uh, Vagar or Vigar are able to keep them alive. Um, but you end up could end up having a three mana slow spell deal eight to face, which is great. Um, and if you if it if they hush it or if they if they nullify it by by playing deny or they play right of negation, don't worry, Vigar will give you another one at the at the next round start, and you'll just do the same thing again. So it, that's a, it's a pretty cool mechanic. His his uh, champion spell is a five cost. Spell Vigar's Event Horizon. Stun an enemy, then stun all enemies with two or less power. So he's got some stun mechanics there to kind of prolong the game, probably till he can um, get a little bit of either a better board state with some of his followers or get uh, his darkness off to face. So first things first, I will throw it over to you guys to kind of evaluate what you think about this champion or any cards you want to highlight. Uh, DBN, what do you think about Vigar? Well, <clears throat> I really appreciate the core character uh, for no other reason than I've been loving seeing him in these little gameplay trailers because he has the really funny voice lines. I do love the old mad scientist vibes, so can't hate on that. He has uh, a great level up. He has great level up animation as oh, well. Yeah. Oh, it's I, really I, good. Yeah, I, I think like flavor wise, Vagar just seems really, really cool. Now, um, not gonna lie, I, I don't truly. I guess only for the mechanics perspective of like I, maybe he has lore in in uh, in Shadow Isles, but I am a little salty that Shadow Isles is basically getting two new champions uh, this set, which we'll talk about in a second. After getting Viego in a bonus set. Um, I, I'm a little, I'm, I have shadow Isles fatigue, not going to lie. Um, I'm just a little sick of the faction as a whole. Um, part of it probably has to do still a little thresh Nasus fallout, uh, PTSD. Sure. But sure. I, I guess I'm just a little sick of so many really, really cool mechanics and cool things just always seeming to go to SI, uh, and to me, the, it's not the flavor. It's the mechanics that seems to go to SI. Like, there are some really neat mechanics. Because flavor-wise, how many times can you have swirling mists, shadows, and darkness? They're all the same. 
<laughs> like I'm getting a little tired of the flavor here, and I would love to see some different, you know, between uh, mist wraiths, encroaching shadows, and darknesses. Um, and I'm getting a little, getting a little sick of the flavor. However, and this actually brings me to my larger point with Vagar. I'm actually as as interested as I am by the idea of Vagar generating removal every turn, specifically at slow speed, which I like. And I think slow speed removal is obviously most of the time pretty bad, but when you're getting it for free, it creates some interesting timing windows on the board, which I really like. I just feel like the, the dev team has gone to the everywhere buff well a few too many times at this point. I'm, you know, I'm just ready to see them take a break from the play this thing to buff the every copy everywhere and keep creating those copies and keep playing that thing. And that's your game plan. Um, it seems a little like they're trying to script uh, the mid to late game a little too hard uh, with a lot of these champions like Viego, like Vagar, like Mistwraiths. Uh, we've seen it with... Um, well, this is not really a fair example, I suppose. But Jagged Taskmaster. I just feel like um, that one isn't really a fair comparison. But I, I just think that having this sort of like slowly growing threat is neat. But now you're looking at basically three archetypes all in the same region that do that. And I'm just, I'm just find it a little uh, dull, I suppose. You know, Vagar for me is uh, so one of the things that are interesting about Vagar is he he slowly but surely as he kills stuff in LOL, um, he gains more spell power and it doesn't cap. So eventually he can just one shot everyone on the board, right? Um, and I have actually played with friends before where they played Vagar um, throughout the game and just played terrible stuff, just defensive stuff, just to keep him alive so he didn't get squashed in the beginning. And then because his ability power just scales, they sell all of their stuff, buy a bunch of crit and ability power stuff, and just one-shot the entire team. Um, so there's some flavor there, right? That the Vigar is this, this sort of ramping champion in LOL that's similar here. One of the things that's interesting about him is at the lower level, he does not create darknesses after you summon him, right? It's, he only creates them on round start once he levels up. So you have to find other ways to reliably create copies of darkness throughout the game. Um, I, I really don't really have any complaint about Vagar. I, I think he's actually cool. I like him. Um, my only thing is, and I'll kick it over to DBN to go over the next champion, is that I think he's a lot like, uh, you know, uh, Malkai and, um, you know, Nautilus. He's a lot like, Aurelia and Azir. Um, and that's not fair because Azir can be played other places. He's a lot like, you know, TK Soraka. It's like, yep, you're going to be able to play Vigar in a few other places, but it's just going to make more sense to play him with Senna, right? And because he's just going to be better with Senna. Like some of the other champions that we're going to see in this, I don't think have like nearly as apparent um, pairings, which is by far one of the things I love the most about the champions we're going to talk about. Um, but I think that Vigar, Senna, both can 
um, stand on their own individually without one another. Um, however, they're probably just going to be the best together. That's my that's my only critique on Vigar. And there's not a lot of other cards in this to talk about outside of just saying like, hey, all of the cards surrounding him create darknesses. Maybe Mini Morph is the only thing that really needs talked about. Does anybody want to? Because Mini Morph is an interesting card. Six mana, burst speed, Bandle City card um, that says transform an enemy into a 3-3 Mini Minity and silence it. But it, it doesn't go away at the end of round um, like some of our other cards do. This is going yeah. to permanently make something into a 3-3 and it can target a champion. I mean, is is that crazy? Yes, and it's good and it will be played. It's basically... Um, it's it's a it's a burst speed, um, vengeance for all intents and purpose. At a certain point in the game, this will serve the same purpose as a vengeance, in the idea of like you're removing a really powerful whatever, and it's a burst speed and it's one cheaper. This thing is I I, I personally I don't hate the card, but I'm saying this thing is kind of nuts. It yeah it'll get played and it's it's kind of a priority of prioritization of mana at that point. I mean you prefer to have this in your hand going second because you see how they spend majority of their mana on a turn or wait till they commit a swing and then you play it. So that way they it's not that they can't that they can't really do anything about it because it's burst speed anyway. But um, just that way you know how they prioritized planning on spending their mana this turn and you can counteract that with your mana and you're essentially going to get. Get the attack token back in your favor with with minimal hurt. It's 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 a pretty good card. I do want to say though, within his followers, within Vigar's followers, the card that I was the most impressed by, and I think is going, we're going to see a lot of anyway. Um, in other areas, I think even outside of Vigar is Tenor of Terror. Tenor of Terror is really cool. Rum summoned if you've killed a uh, created card. Or if you if you have played a created card or killed a unit with a spell this game, which is also not hard to do, summon a base of burden, which is another uh it's a three two impact where the tenor of terror is a two three impact. So for essentially for four, you're gonna get uh five five worth of stats on two units between split between two units and they both have impact. So they both can do a damage on strike. Um I think the flavor and their voice lines were cool. Tenor of terror, base of burden. I was hoping there was gonna be like an alto of like attrition or like an alto of uh of like avalanche and then like a um a treble of uh, uh i don't know think of another storm or another thing well you'd, a want, a, you'd want a you'd want an alto and a soprano is what you'd want oh okay, okay. sure if you have a tenor and a bass you, you're talking about a singing section here so you have the tenor the male of the higher range you have the bass and so for the female you would have a soprano and a alto and so maybe like a soprano of uh, supremacy, supremacy, or we, we just want seismic a group something, act, please. <laughs> yes, a, a lovely, a lovely quartet. Yes, they do sing when they come down, which is kind of funny. Uh, I think they're. I mean, I think you're right. Uh, the impact is certainly um, the thing that kind of puts it over the edge. But even just the idea of like getting two units, like splitting stats across two units in this game with defensive trade priority is pretty valuable, especially in a uh, deck that wants to uh, kind of slow the game down. So you get two blockers for the price of one. That's that's really good. 
like and and the, three three attack solid. is usually good enough to kill a to kill something of relevance. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you see how much House Spider has played, and it's a two cost two two with a one one, which kind of really doesn't mean as yeah. much. So getting a three two and a two three for four is pretty is pretty great. Mm-hmm. It's the same principle as House Spider. Now, uh, House Spider is of course Noxus, um, and but and you see it in aggro, but in decks that would play. Um, um, both of them, right? There, there was Noxus and Shadow Isles, or a Noxus control deck. House Spider still gets played because it's mm-hmm. two blockers. Same principle here. The only mm-hmm. difference is it's a little bit more like cost prohibitive at four. You can't like you like House Spider slows the game down on two, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which sure. is great. Uh, but no, I think you're right, Gibby. I think that's a definitely an, a very interesting card. Uh, do we do we want to just since we're already talking about it? Do we want to move over to Senna? Sure. Sure. I just want to say that when you level up your Viego and I mini morph it, I'm gonna feel very good. Yeah, mini morph. Um, like I said, I mean, I think, I mean, it's obviously a control tool. It's obviously a control tool, but it's a very good one. Like you're not gonna play this in aggro, but you no. are definitely playing this. But in you a might Vandal dip City in Vandal City to get it. <laughs> uh, I'm considering it. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. It's, it's straight up nuts. So. Um, okay. So so, Senna. We have here uh, our uh, uh, touched by evil but still good guy vibe, uh, classic trope, uh, because uh, Senna is still fighting so, for the for the Sentinels. So let me give you the background real quick, because I found this out in chat the other day, and then you can tell us what uh-huh. she does. So she is she has the soul of Viego's dead wife inside of her. That's why she's Shadow Isles. Mm. Mm, this is Senna after she has been somehow Murdered. like infused with Viego's dead wife and her soul combined something. Oh, I don't weird. know. Go ahead. Well, uh, we have uh, Senna who's going to try to kill shirtless goth wonder. Um, <laughs> she is a five drop. As we said, already Shadow Isles. So, again, I just want to stress the idea that Shadow Isles is, of course, getting uh, two new champions after getting an exclusive champion uh, in Viego. But leaving that alone, um, when I'm summoned or attack, create a darkness in hand if you don't have one. Your damage and kill spells accelerate too fast. Wait, yes, that's right. Uh, mm-hmm. And then on level up, the level up says, I've seen you slay three plus units with spells or an allied Lucian die. Uh, once leveled, it says, when I'm summoned or attack, create a darkness in hand. If you don't have one, your damage and kill spells accelerate too fast and cost one less. Wow. This does something that we have never seen before in the history, the long and fabled history of Legends of Runeterra. Which yep, is it's new. It's changing spell speeds. Crazy. Straight up crazy. Gibby. I don't know what would be worse. Seeing a slow, like what would be more, which is more scary. Seeing slow speeds go to fast or fast go to burst. And uh, fast I, go to burst would be terrifying. You're right. So like, <laughs> this is the lesser of two evils and it's an interesting mechanic. I will give them that it's creative. Um, Senna is 
applicable in a kind of a wide variety of places. And I, this is the champion that makes me scared for future expansions because slow speed is a, like, like that's a, that's a core, like you, when you have a spell, it has to have a speed, right? You can't not have a speed to a spell and spells will continue to get printed. You're not going to have the game without spells. So, and you don't want everything at burst. You don't want everything at fast. You have to have power. You want powerful stuff. that's going to be at slow speed. So either they're going to have to get really creative and start printing a lot of slow speed spells and be careful with that, that aren't damage or kill spells because it specifically turns damage or kill spells um, too fast instead of slow. So they're either going to have to get a lot more creative with the slow speed spells that they put out in future expansions. If not, she is just going to be a champion that grows and gets more powerful and scary and optimized as the game goes on. I kind of put this similar in a way. This is a completely different vibe and a different. He has a completely different skill set, but this to me is similar to Nasus. Like it's a card that if you're not careful and you print print too much synergy with it of a certain card type, it will get scary. It will get too good, and it's just going to become really hard to counteract. Senna is is a very solid champion. She's expensive, but it's not like you don't get at least to turn five and you're going to play her in control decks. You can tech the early game to get to the late game with her. And Shadow Isles has some of the best, if not the best card draw in any in any region. So they're not going to have a hard time building a deck that delays the early game getting to her. And then refill their hand and get card draw to power the late game with a very powerful champion like she is. She is scary. Um, I, and there's it's applicable. I think people are already... This is a champion that's going to get optimized very easily because people are already evaluating the table. What are the total table worth of slow speed spells that I can pair her with? What faction makes the most sense to pair this with? And they're going to figure it out. And a lot of the other options probably aren't going to get played a whole lot. People are going to figure out what the most potent option is, and that will be kind of sent become center central, if you, if you will. And that's where she will live, and that's all we're really going to see of Senna. We're either going to see too much of Senna or not of Senna at all. That's that's the way I think it's going to go with this. She's really cool. I love the flavor. I think it's 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 kind of neat that they're expanding, and this is a mechanic that we haven't seen before, as DBN said. But I'm scared for where she goes. She will be powerful, I think, in this meta, and she might get out of control in future metas if they're not careful with what they print. So, um, I have some differing opinions. Um, so we have a five mana, four, four quick attack champion in, uh, Shadow Isles. Is, her name is Kindred, and she sees zero play. Um, now Senna does something more on board than Kindred does when Kindred comes down, accelerating the speed of your spells. Um, but I looked through. And those spells in Shadow Isles, at least, in pretty much every other faction, are Go Hard and the Ruination. And Ruination, you don't want to play when you have Senna on board because it kills your Senna. Go Hard, not bad. It definitely makes Go Hard better. Um, but Go Hard at slow speed isn't bad. Um, 
And speeding it up to fast speed makes it better, but I don't think exponentially better. Pack so, your bags at fast speed seems good. P- pack your bags at fast speed is good. No, There's absolutely no doubt about it. The payoff with pack your bags is good. I think that there's something there. I think the reality is Senna's really good with darkness, and Senna's mm-hmm. not very good with anything else. Um, you can chalk your deck full of slow speed spells that are not good, and because there's plenty of slow speed spells out there that you can look at, and they're trash, and you're like, but if these were fast speed, they would be really good. The problem is, is that they're not normally going to be fast speed. If you don't get a Senna out, your deck is going to be chalked full of cards that are terrible unless you get Senna on the board. And if you get Senna on the board and your opponent removes Senna, which we see with Kindred, is alarmingly easy to do once you get to five mana. A four-fourth quick attack is very easy to remove. Um, Then your deck is once again chalked full of bad cards. So I think there's a trap. And I think the trap is that I make a deck and I take the cards that are slow but would be amazing at fast speed and I put them in the deck and I win because of the value that Senna generates. I don't think that's the way to play Senna. I think you play Senna um, and she just plays well with darkness. And then you play all of the other normal spells that you would play. And maybe you get lucky and you fast speed a Rumination to win the game against an open attack. But in that scenario, you would have already had Senna on the board to be able to block with. Um, other than that, I don't think that you're really going to use Senna's ability unless you're using it on the card that she generates, which makes her best, in my opinion, with Viego. So if you see a lot of Senna, I think you're going to see Senna Viego. Other than that, I think you're going to see her in... Um, in meme- sort of meme decks that you're not going to, that aren't going to see a tremendous amount of play and won't be very good. Did you mean Senna Viego or Senna Vagar? Sorry, Senna Vagar, not okay. Senna Viego. Senna Vagar, not yeah. You're going to see her with the full kit of darkness right. synergy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I don't think her deck that runs her um, without Vagar that runs a bunch of slow speed spells that you want to accelerate to fast is going to be any good. I think that I think that deck's going to be very bad. I think it enables some fun combos probably and probably will enable combos in the future, but I don't think any of those combos are going to be game-breaking simply because of how easy it is to remove a 5-mana 4-4 with quick attack in this game. DBN, what do you think about Senna? Well, it looks like Gibby has something he's he wants to say, uh, but then, then, I'll wrap, then I'll wrap Senna after. So go ahead. So my, my first thought is, anyone want to take a guess how much darkness costs? Three. Three, what's another slow speed spell that's a problem that they had to nerf because it was really good? Tri-beam and Probulator. This is going to be a tri-beam deck. And also, let's also remember that SI has tools post five mana to resurrect champions, dead champions, consistently. So I don't... But you're still playing Resenna Vagar, right? In the tribe, I, I think so. I think you've run darkness. I think you run aftershock, and I think you run tribeam as your main slow speed spells that Senna will will proc off of. Um, but I, I don't know. I just am not. I'm not buying that she's isn't, too isn't slow. Thermos is slow, right? Thermobeam. Thermo yeah, thermobeam slow. That's, that's a, what that's I'm a saying. Solid upgrade. That yeah. that deck that deck there is good, but it's still going to be played Senna Vega. I, it's I, not going to be played. Throw all the slow speed Shadow Owl decks in the Senate deck. I, I think you're right. Um, 
I, there's also the slow speed spell that says uh, target an enemy unit. It strikes your nexus and then it dies. Despair. That yeah, that one's slow speed, and that's that that's a solid one to accelerate to fast speed in a pinch. Uh, I, I think, Mark, I think you're right. I think you're right that the best way to play Senna is going to be focusing on the darkness and maxing out that synergy. For sure. However, I do want to challenge the notion that Senna has the same problems as Kindred. And, and the reason why is that uh, Senna requires nothing else to get value. Senna's value is immediate. She comes down, you get a darkness in her hand, you already have her ability. If she levels, dope, right? Um, but but you, you get that value right away, not to mention the quick attack aspect, which Kindred also has. The problem with Kindred is they, had, they then have the entire round that Kindred comes down to disrupt it, and Kindred has to expend additional mana and or go into combat and the opponent has to willingly throw their things in front of your things to trigger a slay. So Kendrid's value is significantly harder to achieve and easier to interrupt than the value you get from dropping Senna on curve on five. Um, so I, I, all I'm saying here is I think that we're going to see Senna experimented in other places. I think there can be success with Senna in other places. I think that like, I, I don't think, I think you're right. I don't think we're going to see some wombo combo, uh, super consistent, slow speed, accelerating shenanigans, if only because it comes down on five and it would have to be kept around. But um, is it possible to see Senna in a situation where you are pairing Senna with something that you would like to accelerate to fast speed, but don't have to? That I think we'll see. I think there is room for experimentation. Um, I think Gibby has a point in the idea that you will likely see a very fast kind of radicalization of everybody's opinion in terms of where Senna belongs and the best way to play Senna. I think that will happen. But I, I do think people will always have that in the back of their mind as something to experiment with, which to me signals a good card from a design perspective. I just wish it wasn't Shadow Isles. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm okay with her being Shadow Isles, but to your earlier point, I wish Vagar was not. I wish yeah. Vagar was something was something different, which would be Dig cool. Just to Bandle me. City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if he was just Bandle City, that would be that'd be dope to me. Um, yeah. I will say, and I and we, I know we're trying to we're trying to continue to move through the champions, so I won't really go through them. But uh, I encourage everybody just to kind of read through um, her chant or her her followers. Uh, her I think her. Her support cards are good. They're very interesting, and I think they're some of the most flexible uh, of the support cards that we're seeing. I think they will fit in a lot of different places, as we've seen with Shadow Wilds historically. They um, are a lot of interchangeable cards that you can fit in kind of really almost any um, any deck that involves Shadow Isles. A couple of them. I, I think there's also some some builds that will come out of not running Senna, but running some of her followers. Um, so I I'm excited to see. Some of these these new cards get interjected, or in, injected, interjected words, uh, injected in some new some new kind of cool builds that are not Senna uh, centric. I, think, I mean, you know I, what bad deck I'm gonna play, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna play Senna Lux so I can play the <laughs> Sentinels and the Mage Seekers together, and do then, it, and, and then fast speed darkness. my Lux spells. Piercing darkness, baby, get some healing there as a six speed spell. Play, yeah, that on, play that on turn three with three spell mana. Destroy their uh, whatever three drop they play. Uh -huh. It's not bad. 
Uh, Ixtali Sentinel is also a neat one because it has lifesteal on it and it has mm. an ability with it that when it drops, it doesn't need to live for the rest of the turn that it drops to get that value. So I think Ixtali Sentinel is a very good card. Yeah. Uh, but let's how... uh, let's go let's go Tristana. Who who's gonna do Tristana? I'm on Tristana. I'm on Tristana. Um, my uh, but Tristana is a three mana Bandle City only card. Three mana, one three with quick attack, which you would think sounds just terrible. But she reads, I have plus one plus zero for each multi-region ally you've summoned this game. And when you summon a multi-region ally, give her plus one plus zero, which means she grows, right? So she's a quick attack and can get pretty big. Um, she says, when you've summoned four plus multi-region allies, she levels up. And she doesn't have to see it, so you can place her later in the game, and she could be a huge threat. Um, her leveled up is a three mana two four with quick attack that um, you've you have a one plus one plus here for each multi region uh, ally you've summoned this game. And when you summon a multi region ally, grant me plus one plus zero and impact, and those impacts can grow. Her champion spell is a four mana slow speed Bandle City card called a uh, Buster Shot that reads. Cost two less if you have a Tristana or if you've summoned or played cards from four plus regions this game and it's deal three to a unit. So it's a slow speed. If you have a Tristana on board or you've played four plus regions this game, uh, it's a, it's a you know slow speed, two mana, deal three um, to a unit. So that means champion or uh, minion, it cannot deal damage to your enemies. Nexus. Um this one is a really hard card for me to evaluate outside of immediately thinking it's not great. But I want to kick it over to uh, Brendan uh, or Gibby and, and see what he thinks about it. I actually don't think the multi-region requirement on Tristana is going to be as hard as you think it is because it doesn't say um, four different multi-region allies, which mm -hmm. is a very important note for this. It's not like we've seen in some uh, previous requirements that have to play a certain number of different cards. No, it's just four multi-region allies. So you've got some previous cards that were towards the beginning of the Bandlewood releases, uh, the reveals, I should say, that already have or summon or pull or manifest um, different multi-region followers. So for example, the babbling balladeers, when I'm summoned, create an owl, a hungry owl cat in hand that's that's bandle city and ionia so that's a one cost card that's going to it's a three cost card that created a one cost card that's multi-region um you've got a couple of the other cards all loping telescope manifest a random celestial that cost your less epic or multi-region follower there you go and that's also multi-region loping telescope itself so it's creating you would just choose whatever multi-region follower option you get hopefully a cheap hopefully it's a cheap one and you get you're playing one and you're gonna get one. Uh Bandle Commando, two cost elusive, also creates a hungry owl cat in hand. So there's a lot of early drops that will help create multi-region followers to get Tristana going pretty quickly. As we've talked about, that's important for these three mana champions. She's also got three, she's also got quick attack. Um, and she's going to be buffing all of these other multi-region followers. So you want to build some board state quickly. I think Tristana will will pair quite nicely with Poppy. So you the ideally you get some multi-region followers down early, you pop Tristana down, you pop Poppy down, and then everything kind of snowballs. Everything's buffing itself and buffing each other. Um, there's a build with that. But I don't think Tristana is going to be as bad as, as she might appear at first. I think she's got some utility. Um, she's just going to require... To start, it's going to be a pretty narrow build, I believe of how she's going to get used. 
because we don't have a wide breadth of multi-region followers, but as the pool grows, which because they're introducing this mechanic of a multi of multi-region followers or champions, you know that that's something that they're going to expand upon and build upon that there is creativity and there's design space for that. As they build, Tristana gets better. She has a floor that's going to be set with this with this expansion, and she's only going to go up from here, which is cool. I think she's a champion that I wouldn't mind see get better if she be if she's not much if she's not played too much in this meta. Um, but I think she's really cool. The impact keyword upon a level up um, that she gives and grants is relevant uh, because that's just going to multiply out. Um, so I, I like that she focuses on other members of her of her team. Her stat her stat block itself um, isn't great to start with, but it will get better. So I like her. I like Tristana. I will probably mess around with Tristana. DBN, what's your thoughts? Yeah, Tristana is um, maybe the least annoying uh, Bandle City thing so far to me, uh, but that's because I anticipate it not being very good. Uh, to me, giving plus one just doesn't seem like it does enough. I think impact also just doesn't seem like it does enough. Um, I, I I don't think Tristana... I could be completely wrong. I'm okay with being wrong. And it's not like I am I have like a super hard, I'm going to plant my flag on this opinion. But just, I don't think... I think Tristana is bad on three, which for a, a three-mana quick attack champion is not a good sign. There's going to be too many games where you don't even get her up to three attack before she comes down in a, with a, with a unit that you know, she, she wants to pressure with quick attack, like Draven, like LeBlanc, like all those other quick attack champions we talked about earlier, except in 50, 50% of the game, she won't because you'll have missed either your one or your two. And yeah, I mean, literally the only way to do it is with the Poro, right? It's the only multi-region one drop. Well, you have uh, Teemo and Fizz now. Okay, okay, yeah, you're right. Okay, the champions are too. Yeah, uh, but but I mean, if you miss one of them, she comes down as a two attack. And, and I and I and I I don't want to oversell that as a downside because certainly you can play her on four, and maybe she's got four attack by that point, and. And if she levels, and I do like that she levels in your hand. That's cool. But I don't think the payoff is, like, amazing to give impact. Uh, maybe with Poppy, this will be nice. But the, but the issue there is if you're playing Tristana with Poppy, then you're not playing Fizz and Teemo. So mm-hmm. you're not getting that consistency in the one-drop slot. So I I, I have a feeling Tristana is going to be hard. But you're right. It, it can scale with more cards being released. What I do want to point out, however, is the uh, Allegiance unit that got uh, printed for Bandle City uh, is in the set of yes. cards. That's the Gruff Grenadier. The Gruff Grenadier is a four-mana Allegiance card like the rest of them. Uh, it has four attack and three defense. It also has the impact keyword. And the Allegiance effect says, Summon another Yordle follower that costs three or less. Um... I feel like this may be in competition for one of the best Allegiance cards in the game. The reason I feel that Mm -hmm. way is because I think Bandle City is going to be one of the easiest factions to play Allegiance in in the game because it has so many cards that flex into other factions. Additionally, 
I think the ability to create not only another blocker, which, as we've already established, is potent in and of itself, this Groff Grenadier doesn't sacrifice any stats for it, and you can potentially high roll a three drop Yordle, giving you what could be somewhere between, you know, seven, like this could be a four mana seven, seven, right? Sure. Uh, yeah, granted, it could be a four mana five, four, but that's still above average stat distribution, and that still potentially drops a Yordle, which could potentially synergize with something like the Bandle Tree, like Tristana, like uh, Poppy. So this is a really good Allegiance card in my in my eyes. I 100% agree. Um, regardless of what you get, until they print something bad with Yordles, and nothing that I see with Yordles, I'm, I'm just, just kind of going through the cards, nothing that I see with Yordles is is bad i mean what what happens if you pull about a babbling ball of deers so a three cost two four when someone create when summon create a hungry owl cat you now just got an extra two four on the board along with this yeah. with this card <laughs> that created a one cost two one with spell shield multi-region follower in hand like this that's is, awesome this is you got what an I'm extension saying. on an extension do you remember do you remember the uh shaman card that was like a walrus dude that would summon like a uh, a totem when he came mm -hmm. down. Yes, it's kind of like that. But remember how sometimes you could play a card that would summon a random three drop. It would summon the shaman, which would summon the totem, uh, yeah. and you'd get three units for the price of one. This is what can now happen thanks to Gruff Grenadier. Uh, well, more than that, more than that, this kind of reiterates my uh, overall impression that this is the Hearthstone expansion of LOR. We're seeing so many things that are, and this isn't the only one, by the way, that when it comes down, summons another unit. That was previously reserved for like two, maybe three cards in the game that could come down and summon an extra unit. Right now, off the top of my head, I'm really only thinking of Dune Keeper, which th that thing was ephemeral. I'm thinking of the crappy Navori Brigand um, and the one we just talked about. Um, we got the Bilgewater guy as well that could summon either a Powder Keg or a One Drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But my point is, like, there's very few cards in the... Oh, a House Spider is the one I was thinking of. Very uh -huh. few cards uh, in the game that can summon additional followers, and we're already seeing, like, three new ones. Now, is that a bad thing for the pace of the game? I actually think it's not. I think it actually reduces the power of open attacks, which makes the game a little more interesting. Um, or, or, or rather, yeah, reduces the power of open attacks, and I think it also but weirdly can incentivize you to open attack because you know they can drop two blockers. So I think it's I think it's a very good thing to introduce. I'm just saying there's so many Hearthstone comparisons here. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, my my thoughts on Tristana is that Sparring Student is better. Um, I know that's not a fair comparison. I don't want to get into that. But uh, I just, I'm not impressed with Tristana. I don't think she's super strong. I think she's going to typically be a three-mana 2-3 two, that can grow and your opponent's going to get rid of. She dies to a lot of stuff, and she's pretty much uninteresting to me. Um, the difference between her level one and her level two is not significant enough for me to care about leveling her up. Um, like, I mean, yeah, like, give me MF. Give me a three-mana three-three that when she levels up, deals three to everything, and she deals one to the board if you try to, you know. Yep. Like, I'm mm -hmm. just comparing her to, like, other three-mana characters similar to this. Like, Draven is better. MF is better. Mm -hmm. Aurelia is better. Preach. Um, there's... Like, there's so many three-mana, quick-attack, ADC-style characters that are not only better, but their level-up are really detrimental. Like, a lot of times, I'm not going to care if this is leveled up or not. 
like, don't care. Like, if I'll go ahead and level her up. Sure, you can start stacking impact. I'll kill her anytime. Um, maybe I'm wrong about that. I'm open to being wrong about that. I, the only other thing I'd point out is Purpleberry Shake. One mana, grow oh, an ally. Awesome. That's so good. Yes. Now, I what it. I find to be interesting, it's grow an ally to a 3-3. Three, three. So if you have a, let's say, a 4-1 on the board, it would make it a 4-3, correct? Because it grows the stats. It's not going to lower it's, the stats because it, doesn't say it grows set. them. It does say grow. How does Lulu it, work? It grows them. It's not going to lower the stats. Lulu doesn't yeah. say grow, does she? Yes. She says grow. Um. I've never used Lulu on something with higher than four or five attack. Yeah, because because yeah, because it's a horrible I, thing to I do, so you've never right. attempted it. I think you're right, Mark. I think if, the, if you had a five one, I think this would grow it to a five three. I'm pretty sure I've run into that with Lulu before, and I was like, oh, what do you know? Or a, or a one four. This would grow it to a three. Because four. the text between huh. grow and set is different. Is different. Yes. So I think this is I think this strictly I think this One can't hurt burst. your attack. Make you a three three is pretty cool, dude. Yeah, I mean, you there are so many go wide decks that would love to just for one mana turn something into a three three, and hey, block and kill uh, something. Yeah, why not? Right? I mean, or push it, damage. Like, there's so many things that are good yeah, with this. Uh huh. Totally agree. Yeah, yeah this, I, this, I, I think that card's just cool and the artworks. Yeah, stuff. it's fun. It's funny. Like I like it. Yeah, DBN, you want to take us to the next champ? It's, uh, yes. it's it's time yes. for your boy Noxus, my friend. Woo! The best uh the best faction. Uh our our conquering best boy. Uh we have the new Noxus champion that renders one or two other champions of the game a little bit sad. Uh <laughs> which is Scion. So Scion is seven cost, three attack, and six defense at level one. Has overwhelm says, when I am discarded, grant your strongest ally Overwhelm and place me into your deck. I have plus one attack for each card you've discarded this game to a maximum of seven. Um, the level up is when you have discarded or summoned 35 plus power. Okay. Um, once leveled, Scion has uh, Overwhelm and now is permanently a 10-6 as opposed to uh, 3-6 that grows up to 10-6. Uh, the last uh, has a overwhelm again. It has last breath. Summon Scion Returned, which I'll tell you about in a second. Uh, when I'm discarded, grant your strongest ally overwhelm and place me into your deck. Okay. Uh, Scion Return. Now, mind you, this is what happens when Scion dies. When Scion dies, you get Scion Returned. It is a 10-4 ephemeral overwhelm that says when i'm summoned rally <laughs> so <laughs> they basically took <clears throat> they basically took darius and trendamir and mashed them up and gave them rally <laughs> and, and said here you go yeah have fun and also you can help the rest of your deck along the way by discarding him Oh boy, uh, you know we already we I saw the best the best comment about this in the Discord uh, was talking about somebody pointed this out that Trendemir uh, is really sad about this, and then somebody said yeah, but uh, Trendemir was already sad by some non champs laughs in Ruin Runner, uh, so 
<laughs> so, so okay. So setting aside the the obvious comparison between Darius and Trindamir, the two big sad boys, uh, Scion is pretty freaking cool. And more than that, Scion plays, and I'm just going to personally, from just my perspective, is the most exciting thing in this set for me. And it's not just because it's Noxus, but it's a mid-range way to play Noxus focused on big units and overwhelm, just like you have with this fantasy of a, you know, conquering empire culture, right? And more than that, I am always a sucker for mechanics where you sacrifice resources um, other than just like card advantage. I love sacrificing other resources, uh, whether it's your, well, in this case, actually card advantage um, potentially, but, and, and it's not just your, you know, you, you whether it's okay, I'm going to blow up my own life total to get a big advantage, or I'm going to self damage my units with Vlad. Scion basically is saying, Hey, Shuffle your cards around. Your hand state is going to constantly be changing, and you're going to benefit off of that. And I think that uh, that, while may not, maybe not good, is fascinating. This is going to be the first craft when this uh, for me when this set drops. I'm going to be maining Scion for the next week, um, and I'm so I couldn't be more excited, um, guys. There's a ton of great Scion cards uh, in these kind of peripherals um i obviously i want to hear what you think about scion but i i would like if each of you guys picked out one of these other scion cards because without these support cards obviously scion seems underwhelming but i think these support cards really bring it to life uh so mark uh do you want to pick out one of them for me and and uh tell me a little bit about your thoughts on scion and his package yeah i i literally don't even have much to to say about scion himself other than He's probably my favorite. I think he's the most interesting that we've seen. I think he might be the most interesting champion in Noxus outside of Swain when paired with Leviathan. And uh, and he's a, he's an entirely different way to play. Um, this is just what I've wanted Noxus to have. And I'm so excited about this card. This card is very cool. And I will bring up Lost Soul in 8-mana 5-4 when I'm summoned or discarded create twin blade revenant in hand which you actually typically want to discard this guy because twin blade revenant is a four mana four three with challenger that reads last breath create a lost soul in hand and i'm only bringing this up because this is a twin blade revenant if i had known this it existed would have been your enemy in almost every single time that we played Dungeons and Dragons uh, in LOR, because Twin Blade Revenant might be the coolest looking artwork out of any Noxian card, potentially any card in the game that I've seen. But this isn't the only card that's like this. You know, you have multiple cards that want to be discarded, and you aren't going to lose card value for discarding it. You're going to keep putting cards back in your hand by discarding stuff. And I love this sort of like, endless undead army that uh noxus is getting their hands on with uh with this set super fun to me scion's awesome love it can't wait to mess around with it don't know how good it's gonna be but man you're not gonna want to see scion come down and it's gonna be scary seeing him power up that's for sure gibby what are your thoughts got another card that you like too First of all, I don't appreciate you assuming that I like any of the followers. Mr. Bias over there with Noxus. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. There are plenty of good cards to love in Scion's set. He has a very strong follower package. 
I expect to see plenty of Scion because I also don't think this is going to be a very difficult... The, okay, so let me put this, put it this way. The discard part of Scion will be a bit intricate and will be almost have a Targon feel to me about there is going to be a lot of decisions to make about when to discard certain things or what to hold on to. It's going to be a tricky play style, and that's awesome. I like that. I like that there is a high um, skill like ceiling or high school floor, I should say. It's probably more of a floor. There's a high school floor to playing this deck well, which is cool. However, if you don't focus on the discard part of it and you just want the overwhelm stuff, this becomes a little bit more narrow and straightforward. And it's not going to be hard to swing things and swing big things and hit with overwhelm and do extra damage. It's not going to be that hard. Um, but there's a lot of really cool cards in here. I'm going to highlight two of them. Um, I think Noble Rebel is really cool. It's a three-cost overwhelm unit. Grant me plus two, plus one once you've discarded three-plus cards this game. Uh, it's, it's got three-two stats, so if you have discarded three-plus cards, it goes to a five-three for three, which is awesome. Now, the note on that is you can do that mid-turn. It's when you've met the requirement of discarding three cards. So you can be in combat, have a rummage in your hand, having already, having already discarded one card, discard two to draw two cards, this gets buffed by two, and the thing that mm. your opponent thought it was going to kill and trade with effectively now has killed the, your their unit, and they're sad. Like this is a kind of a tricky card in combat that I like that design. Um, the other card I wanted to um, highlight that I think I will play a lot of because I've already got a build in mind that I want to build with SI is Fallen Reckoner. Fallen Reckoner is a five cost overwhelm unit. When I am summoned, Grant can't block to the weakest enemy. Last Breath, create a Risen Reckoner in hand, which is a 3-cost 6-3 with uh, Overwhelm and um, Ephemeral that says when I'm summoned, Grant can't block to the weakest enemy. So essentially, you are going... It creates it in hand. So essentially, you're going you're gonna to have the ability to give two things over the course of probably two turns. Can't block. And that's permanent, and that is a scary thing to be able to give to somebody. I'm thinking about playing this with... SI for some recursion and killing it and resummoning it with Chronicler of Ruin or playing Miss Call on it to resummon it again um, if it once it dies or even making Callista summon it as her ephemeral follower and giving something else can't block again because as you declare the attack that will go off and you're think that thing can't block kind of like Ash so yeah. I think that is a scary card yeah granting can't block is awesome it's, it's so cool it's so cool ah, especially when especially when so it has overwhelm especially when it has overwhelm with a high attack stat yo honestly honestly if if it didn't have last breath i think i would still be excited for this card yeah like but it has the last breath effect to create another copy that's bigger on the attack stat and does the same thing yo Fallen Reckoner is so cool. I love it. So I think one of the traps with this card is feeling like you want to discard Scion to level them up and shuffle them into your deck. I think there's going to be a lot of times if you combine this with PNZ and some of the discard a card to draw that, you know, if you if you play a 2-1 and throw away Fallen Rider to put a Fallen Arisen Rider in hand, like, you're going to be, on turn one, you're going to be 5 out of 35 towards playing a leveled up scion yeah. like i think a lot of times this deck is going to run that by turn seven or turn eight you're going to play scion leveled up 
without ever having to discard him a bunch mm -hmm. of times, you know? My, my thought here is actually that the best way to play this deck, it, it, just theory crafting here, may not be true, is actually to not play another champion with Scion. Now, there's an argument to say, hey, Draven would be a great idea because he generates stuff. And that's true. But um, you have this card, Grave Physician, which I'm so pumped for, not just for um, Scion, but for Noxus as a whole, which basically uh, is discarding a card to draw a unit. Um, and so I, I think that this deck may not run too many units. It's going to run some. But I, I think you want to be able to find uh, what's-his-face Scion again as you go through the game. And it may or may not be worth running uh, another champion except for maybe Draven. Like, I can't think of another champion that I'm really stoked about to go with Scion because it just doesn't really... They, they won't play with... I don't think Jinx will make sense because a lot of things are discarding replace themselves. And I just mm -hmm. don't... Maybe Echo. I can maybe see Echo to find to help you find Scion after discarding him. But I'm looking in Freljord, honestly, and I'm saying I kind of want to go grab and treat. So Just I can dump sure Scion and go find him again. Yeah. Or you could go into Sharima and potentially go and with Rite of Calling, but uh, I, I think I might like Entreat a little bit no better. Nobody hates seeing Ruined Reckoner in your... Uh, not Ruined Reckoner. Ruined Runner. Uh, oh, yeah. Ruined Runner in your deck with your scion right like yeah no you can't, can't yeah no it can't hurt right uh I'm so i thinking just think of, sorry go ahead i'm thinking about going into ionia and playing um recall and like there was it the recall and resummon uh, oh so yeah being yeah, able yeah. to retreat, play high, retreat return retreat and return like yeah, that to me neat. is that's really neat because because uh, nox already has a lot of high attack units so even at three even at three mana, you're, you can you can put other things that maybe aren't new cards, but you can put other very powerful three drop cards um, in your deck that you can ret return back in that will have five power, which is above the curb of what that card is going to do for you. You can trick some trade. That's a really good way to be able to, to kind of slow the game down and trick some trades on defense. Um, and and get to that later game with Scion. I actually think there's a lot of and, possibilities. Yeah, and I think what's going to be interesting with building this deck is I think it's actually going to be quite challenging because you're going to have to find that balance of enablers and payoffs. You need things to discard, but you can't have too many discards because then you know you won't actually be able to to benefit off of anything. But flip side, you can't have too many payoffs because if you draw all payoffs and no enablers, then they just sit in your hand. So it's going to be really interesting to see uh, and see as people find that balance between, mm -hmm. okay, how many cards do we want that discard cards? And which ones? And how useful are they when not discarding these specific targets, these specific payoff cards? Mm -hmm. That's going to be the, the, the interesting aspect of Scion that I just can't wait to really just dive into and bury my head in the sand and, and, just, and just root around down there until I find the perfect Scion deck. I'm thinking also maybe even making a Mysterates deck because when they continue to grow and you're gr they're growing after, before you've already summoned them too. So I'm thinking about making maybe running a Mysterates deck with like maybe even Twisted Tree Line to summon a six six off of the off of the the Vile Maw to and running Scion as the top end. I think that could be cool. Wait, I'm I'm lost as to how you would you oh because of all the fearsome. 
Well, all because it's because because Zion says either discarded thirty five oh, power or, or summon. summon. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you just focus on the summon half of things. Sure. Maybe you play some discard stuff, but you you run you're growing all the mist race every time you essentially would play a mist race. You'd get like the five five. If you run predominantly still that SI package, you could probably still even run the mist caller with the allegiance card and summon mist wraiths that are going to be five five six six for kind of pretty cheap, and then run Scion at the top. I mean, you could run Darius at the top of that and have a pretty similar outcome in terms of. I think Scion's a little bit more of an absolute finish though, with with the rally and the overwhelm unit. Well. It just seems to me mist wraiths typically win around five or six. So uh, yeah. Oh, uh, you know what I'm excited for? Turn two salt and stitches on a reborn grenader, um, to discard a grenader to summon one a co- an exact copy. <laughs> yes. Th- then, so you're gonna put you're gonna put a five two and a three three and discard a three two. You're yeah. literally gonna put his. I don't know how it would work, but you're either gonna put on turn two either nine or eleven points towards Scion's level up, and mm. put two of these grenaders on board. Uh, like yeah, you're gonna you're going to advance Scion three six uh, eleven points. With yeah, that three six nine eleven. But but it will like, cost you it will cost you two cards like from your hand. Sure. Um, yeah, but you're putting those cards on the board. Well, but they won't stick because they're both ephemeral. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sure. I see what you mean. But I mean, but, it's but I mean, like towards yeah, it's a it's it is yeah. Yeah, you're totally right. <laughs> yeah, I mean that. Like, I don't. All I'm saying is, I don't think it's going to be hard to play Scion mm-hmm. on turn seven as a ten six with overwhelm that last breath and Scion returned. There's yeah. so much. I, I there's so much I adore in here. Uh, Great physician to be able to, you know, target the uh, Grenadier or maybe even ideally target like Risen Rider or Lost Soul. Um, yeah. Or, or sorry, yeah, not Risen Rider, Fallen Rider. I think. Um, mm-hmm to turn it into risen rider uh and then obviously you can hit scion with it if you really if you really want but uh, to to actually end up netting a card off a of physician uh which is neat or actually cantripping himself more like but uh i i think that also one card that seems like people may be sleeping on a little bit is roar of the slayer discard a card kill the weakest enemy uh, i was talking to gibby about this earlier but the ability to say um Finish up around a combat. People are out of mana. Post combat, and then you say, "Oh, so you spent all your mana to protect your ash, and everything else died. Well, now dead. she's dead because she's your weakest." Yeah, you'll be able to single out something with that card. Yeah, I don't think it's a three of, but I think it's arena. really, and I think it really fleshes out that um, that three mana unique removal that Noxus already has with Scorched Earth and Guillotine. And um, that one culling strike. culling strike, yeah, it has a lot of really interesting requirements for kills at three mana. And I just like that this has kind of become part of their identity. And I like that this is a new way to think about that. This whole yeah. build confirms to me that Nox Cry Arena will never be played ever. <laughs> hey, <laughs> yeah, maybe sure if it ever. comes, maybe if it comes down to two mana, uh, <laughs> Gibby, take us into Nami. Please. This might be one of my favorite champions throughout this whole uh, this whole expansion. I think so far Nami looks awesome. Uh, I love the flavor of it and the whole watery theme and um, her being a protector and playing nice with Fizz and maybe it's the optimism, optimistic nice guy in me that likes Nami. But I I really like the flavor of her and her level up was pretty dope too. Almost aerial style coming out of the sea with this giant random orb. I don't know what it does, Uh, but it's a desert. It's a three cost two, three. 
uh, for Bilgewater. So we, we're getting a little stuff for Bilgewater that says a tune. When you cast a spell, grant plus one plus oh to the weakest other, plus one plus zero to the weakest other ally that isn't uh, immobile. You've gained seven spell mana. When she levels up, when you gained seven spell mana this game. Her level up, she gets that plus one, plus one. And it says when you cast a spell, instead of doing uh, plus one, plus zero, she does plus two, plus one to the weakest other ally that isn't immobile. So we're seeing a, a focus on the attune keyword and the spell mana that we've banked. And now we, and I realized this just now, we called this long time ago. Long time ago, I think off off air, I talked about this with DBN, and we said, what is a form of the game that we would really want to get buff? What is a really cool keyword or, or aspect of this game that should see more visibility and is the, the really built-in cool aspect around spell mana and that being a utility that isn't highlighted a lot and really isn't focused on, and we've never had a champion care necessarily about spell mana outside of needing the extra mana to play spells. There's several spell-based champions, but none that has specifically said, I care that your mana is in those three slots of spell mana and you've gained them. So Nami is really cool on that. Um, I think she's going to have a hard time keeping herself alive still in that three mana, um, three health spot. And she's going to focus on having a lot of her allies attack for her so she doesn't put herself in danger but the nice part is that you can essentially and most likely will bring her down on the board leveled so that is a going to be a plus of nami she will do great things and there's probably going to be a couple clear synergies with her but spells are also all over the game so there might be some surprise builds that come out of this uh with some cheap spells maybe targon with some gems or um other recursive spells um, that we might be able to to see. Maybe there's a Nami Darkness build in here somewhere. I don't know. Um, but she also has some really cool support cards. So, so, Mark, I'll throw it over to you first. What are your thoughts on Nami and some of her support cards that came along with her? Um, You know, I think Nami is pretty straightforward. I think that she plays well with Fizz. I think she plays well with Elusives. I don't love that myself. Um, so I think you probably see Nami, Fizz, Ionia, um, you know, Bilge Ionia, Elusives. I think that's the most common and makes sense fit for her. Um, what I think is most interesting about her is Ebb and Flow and then her Tidal Wave card, uh, which Ebb and Flow is two mana fast, uh, two damage randomly to the enemy or enemy nexus, puts a fleeting burst speed two mana flow in hand that heals two and then a, a, a fleeting two mana fast speed um, that deals two randomly to an enemy or enemy nexus and heal an ally or your nexus for two i think that that's fun i think that's really fun and then the 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 wave cards or tidal wave three mana deal one a slow three mana deal one to two different randomly target enemies and then it puts crushing wave in your deck which is two 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 random different enemies uh for three mana slow and then Three mana Colossal Wave goes in your deck, which is a slow speed deal four to all enemies and the enemy Nexus. Um, I personally think that Tidal Wave, Crashing Wave, Colossal Wave is fun. Um, and I'm really interested to see how that works. It's not super reliable because it is going to go into your deck. Um, I don't necessarily love how Nami is going to be played. Uh, it's also important to note that we got uh, 
Marari Warden as well. Two mana, two one. When I'm summoned, summon a one cost follower. So can go right along with the Bilgewater. Two mana, summon a one cost follower. Three mana, three one. Summon a one cost follower. So, you know, you do still have some of that stuff going on. Um, I don't know that I'm going to love where Nami fits, but I actually do like Nami as a champion. I think she's interesting, and I think all of these water cards are really cool because it goes with the ocean theme in Bilgewater, and we haven't really gotten much of that. We've gotten a lot of pirate theme, not a lot of ocean theme. So I love her theming, and, you know, my daughter will love her because she's a mermaid. So if you if you give me a guardian that goes along with her, I, I'm willing to bet that uh, I end up with it when my daughter's playing the game with me. DBN, what you think? What you think? Yeah, you got something for us. Yeah, um, I think Nami. Uh, Gibby and I talked about Nami a little bit today, uh, before before the the cast, and uh, I initially thought that Nami was not going to be very good, um, but I have since changed my mind. I think Nami is going to be broken, and I think that's because Nami. That's is, a big switch. I think Nami is going to enable OTKs easily um Mm. being able to uh grant plus two plus one to a specific ally aka having only one other ally out and being able to cast a shoot ton see we made it family friendly there you go there you go job one or less mana spells that potentially either protect or buff said card anyways is going to enable you to have a massive elusive and or overwhelm OTK that if it's fizz is just going to be able to, you'll always just hold back one spell if you can to cancel whatever they play. And you just keep stacking elusive on him. He levels, he summons a, a, a long tooth card in your hand. I mean, I, I just, and you don't have to do that. You could go Riven, get a bunch of blade fragments, play blade of the exile, get massive attack buff and overwhelm and quick attack. I mean, I think Nami's just going to sit back, kick it, and then OTK around turn six or seven with full spell mana, most of your mana, and a single elusive unit. You'll just accumulate, I don't know, puff caps or something until that point. Like, accumulate gems or puff caps or whatever and pop off. I I think... Yeah, good. I think that that seems easy to do to me. Like Nami Zoe Sparklefly? Sure. Yeah. Sparklefly. Another great target. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think and I think that uh Fizz seems like an obvious choice because he has protection built into him. But there's certainly uh there's probably there might be a faster build out there that that maybe sacrifices a little bit of protection for you know speed and assembling a combo. Um this is where I'm at with Nami, that I think Nami is going to be obnoxious because it's going to be a combo OTK elusive non-interactive enabler. Um, And I think because, you know, if it only went off once per turn, it would be bad. Um, But the fact that you can just keep doing it anytime you cast a spell, we've already seen with like Lee Sin that there are, there are decks that can just cast like seven, you know, five or six spells or more, you know, in a turn. Lee Sin with this. You, you wouldn't even necessarily need Overwhelm on Lee Sin if you just had Nami Lee Sin and a bunch of cheap spells. Sure. Why not? It's yeah. another... Great. Wonderful. Another way to play Lee Sin. I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, no, I, that's where I'm at with Nami. Now, I, I have to say as much... And I'm... 
I haven't figured out the OTK, but if I've identified that it's probably that there's a way it can be done, somebody else already has. Um, so oh. just keep yeah, keep your eyes. To me, peeled. it's to me, it's find a cheap overwhelm unit and make make an overwhelm unit sure. your your buff your buff target because I, there, I think there are ways to Phil, get in and block elusive. I think ideally give fizz overwhelm and then you solve both problems. Um, get, go 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 go. Go Bilgewater Noxus. Go Bilgewater Noxus. Dump Fizz whenever you get him because he'll just protect himself. Play all the units that summon Blade Fragments. Keep them in your hand. Play them all out on Fizz. Fizz gets enormous. Gets Quick Attack, Overwhelm, Elusive, all that crap. Win the game. Boom. I just built the deck for you guys. Go have fun. Yeah. Um, I think there is a separate build that I'm excited about with this, though, with mm -hmm. some, of her, some of her follower cards that's not necessarily a Nami build. Is we caught we've talked about tidal wave, crashing wave, and colossal wave. I would love to see tidal wave clock that tidal wave card played along with um, uh, hexite crystal and any other really powerful summon cards. Maybe the chrono break card, uh, whatever that one is that, that you want to try to pull out of your deck. That's really good. Um, I'd love to see mm. all of those played in an echo build. With this, I mean, the, the whole point of why Hexite Crystal really wasn't that great was because it was kind of hard to pull it. But when you start stacking your deck with just really powerful um, deck predict targets, um, that's going to make that deck more consistent too. So I think some of her support cards are really going to flesh out an echo build and, and kind of pseudo buff him as well and mm -hmm. some of the predict tools within P and Z. So I'm thinking a TF, P and Z. You also have lost treasures or lost riches to that dump too. treasures into your deck for Echo to go find. Could be neat. Yep. So I'm thinking that will, that will be a build. I, I will do that. Let's. That will be a Let's target. If anybody, that. Wants to if anybody wants to build that with me, let me know. I got you. Let's do that instead of the elusive OTK. Uh, I didn't even realize that Nami was Grant until like we talked yep. about it. And yep. and that that's an entirely different beast yeah like, so if insane. you if you miss on your otk and don't finish it you don't lose all the buffs fizz is still enormous or your sparkle fly is still impossible to kill yep hooray yep. sparkle fly uh let's yeah, i think it's going to be sparkle fly yeah let me take us to zareth <laughs> and we're going to wrap it up there zareth four mana sharima a champion this is ascended which means it's going to have three levels when an allied landmark is destroyed deal one damage to the weakest enemy DBN and Gibby, I do have a quick question. Um, if an, a landmark counts down, that counts as destroyed, correct? Yes, we talked okay. about this earlier yep. today between the two of us. It does count. Landmark okay. specifically says, upon hitting zero, destroy me and get whatever effect. So it does count. Okay, so you've destroyed four allied landmarks. He's going to level up from a four mana three, three to a four mana four, four, of course, with no keywords. But when a landmark is destroyed, deal three damage to the weakest enemy pretty cool and he will go up to level four if you've restored the sun disc which of course is going to be playing probably mono sharima uh, a four mana five nine very hard to get rid of with round start deal five damage to the weakest enemy and the enemy nexus so if an enemy unit would die you obliterate it instead um Obviously, level three level ups are insane and they're crazy and they're powerful. The question becomes, are these, is this champion good enough at level one and level two? And I know you guys have been playing Talia and I know that DBN has a huge smile on his face. So I'm going to have Gibby go first uh, uh, and tell me what you think about it. Zug it. 
Yes, <laughs> I think this is going to be fun. I think this is going to be good. At least at minimum, this is going to be fun. Um, I think the the landmark half of this landmarks are something I'm really excited to continue to see expanded. Um, and I mean, just being able to curve out, I think this gives a, a higher purpose to Roiling Sands, where we've only really seen it seen it with, um, what is it, the uh, the the Windrunner, uh, the two the Rock two Hopper. cost Rockhopper. Rockhopper is a solid card to begin with, but now that gives oh, it's one for it's twenty five percent of uh, Zareth's level level one uh, level up, and I mean you you can play Ancient Prep, which is a solid card, solid solid card. And flexible on one you can play roiling sands with the rock hopper on two you've got i mean you can play rock bears now rock bears are now in the question there's there's a lot of options for landmarks and landmarks are now kind of spanning multiple um different um they're spanning multiple different regions now too so you've got a lot of flexibility with regions uh that you could play in case you wanted to non go non uh, Mono Sharima. I, I just think Xerath is 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 going to be a decent card. I think to play, um, you're gonna, you'll have to be pretty intentional about how you build your deck with it. But he will at least get from one to two, one to two pretty often, which is important because I think he will be the easiest, probably slightly easier than Azir, um, making him the easiest ascended ally. To get from one Damn to it, two. Damn it, Gibby! You stole my thing after I said that in our discussion first. I actually wasn't thinking about that. How we how we had talked about that. Uh, I, I think know, he, and now you stole my talking point. I think he replaces. You can still I think he replaces it. that. Yeah, but go ahead, go ahead and, and expand upon that where you think Zareth uh, Zareth Zareth goes, being a relatively easy champion to level. Well. Uh, <laughs> listen to salt. Listen to him being salty. He's Don't so, let him get he's so mad. I, I, he, I, I bring this up <laughs> in, in our that, conversation, that. and Gibby goes, "Oh yeah, no, that's a really great point." And then he steals it out from under me on the cast. You, that's, I was already with you on that point. That's what that's best why friends I give do. Him, apparently, that that's why I give him the first opportunity to talk, so that you have and, nothing to talk about. And that's just watch right, him get salty. <laughs> okay, look, look. Uh, the simple fact is kind of like Gibby already said. Um, all of the other Ascended Champions have to be on the board to see something or do something. Zerath is the only one of them that could level in your hand. Okay, mm -hmm. And destroying four allied landmarks is easy in Shirima and, you know, as in Mono Shirima. Um, it's all feasible with between all of the units that drop uh, landmarks on their own. Uh, there's plenty of ways to not just... Um, count them down but also ones that will easily kind of remove themselves and of course some cards in his package that can remove them for you so between units that drop landmarks for free between really cheap and usable countdown landmarks uh it is very very possible uh for Zerath. and i think majority of times no matter how you play Zerath, you probably don't drop him on his level one form you probably always wait till he hits his level two form um, even in a deck that is not trying to go Sun Disc. Um, but uh, if you do uh, play him with Sun Disc, uh, I think that it's quite feasible to say, hey, this guy could drop on three or four, uh, or not, sorry, not three, but can, can uh, level on uh, four. You could potentially drop enough landmarks uh, by four that if you drop him on four, 
um, you can shortly level him afterwards. And if not, you can drop a zero and or Renekton. I think I don't I don't feel Nasus would be the the play. Um, Azir or Renekton and tool the rest of your kit around working with them. Azir is unfortunately Sundisk got a lot weaker with the Azir requirement to get to level two, like a lot weaker because Azir was the easiest to level before. 10 followers was not hard to do with Dune Keepers and all that crap. Now you're looking at replacing your early game with Xerath uh, in order to potentially achieve this easier level up. Um, but I think it's quite feasible to say, okay, I actually want Azir to be the first one to level and Xerath to be the second one to level. In which case, I actually think that this is, you're, you're looking at a, a perfectly reasonable kind of ordering between uh, the uh, the two ascended champions of, okay, I go Zir and then Xerath. But I think it's perfectly reasonable to say, I'm going to go Xerath and then Renekton and dedicate the rest of your package. You're basically having two packages combined, but this one you can do entirely from your hand. Um, so you only have to dedicate the resources into keeping one thing alive, and the other one can just sit and come down, leveled, sun disc, ascended, fun times. Um, so I, I, I think from it by itself, though, it's okay. I think just dealing three to the weakest enemy whenever an allied uh, landmark can destroy is destroyed is very much just okay to me i don't look at zarath outside of perhaps um like a rock bear list i don't even know if this is uh good enough to replace um akshan in like a talia build uh maybe this is like i don't think this really goes uh into targon for malphite very well so it's a tough tough champ to figure out if you're not going for that ascended form but that ascended form is so so good um that it is very compelling to want to hit that as a hey and now i just close the game out very very quickly um it's got a lot of really neat support cards but at the end of the day i just think Zerath is while maybe not the best in fact might even be the weakest landmark Champions have a history of coming down and being pretty bad off the start, with the exception of Akshan. Um, but that said, I think this might be my most... I don't know. Scion is the one I'm most excited about, but Zerath is the one I'm most excited to build. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of deck-building options with Zerath, and I'm going to be really excited to do it. Um, I think a card that is going to make... is going to become more important in this, mm -hmm. and especially the Sharima build, which I think we really only saw it with a Freljord build. I actually am really excited to see Clockwork Curator put in some work on this. Um, it's an early drop that is going to accelerate some countdowns, provide some value, help stabilize in the early game. I really like that, especially now that they've got some better payoff cards coming with Zerath in the in the follower section. I, I, I really like Clockwork Curator's flexibility. And let's say you don't see a follower... Or you don't see you don't you didn't get a landmark out earlier, or you you didn't get the right landmark out. Okay, well you can probably play a landmark instead of him and continue working towards Zerath. So I really like the idea of of Clockwork Curator in this. You also have um, the where is it uh, Endless Devout, which I think is is so cool. You saw that in the trailer if you checked out the trailer uh, for for Zerath. It's a three mana three three. It says Last Breath. Summon a sarcophagus. 
The sarcophagus is a one mana landmark that says countdown three or when destroyed, mm. summon a restored devout, which is a one mana five three. Um, so it's kind of cycling between unit, landmark, unit, uh, which inadvertently actually does kind of, again, help towards Azir if I'm really staying on this whole uh, ascended, ascended plan. Um, but another great card is Herald of the Magus. When summoned, if you've destroyed four plus allied landmarks this game, grant your champions everywhere plus two plus two in Overwhelm. Well, darn it, that might even be playable in Talia. Uh, and, you know, Talia, Talia really wants Overwhelm, y'all. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, absolutely. That card is not relegated, in my, in my mind, is not entirely relegated. Uh, just to Zerath. So there's some really, really cool stuff in here. I think a lot of inobvious things. Like you're not, I'm not exactly sure what's going to be good and what's not going to be good. But at the end of the day, that's exciting to have this to play with. You got the things that that might build themselves. You got the things that you know mostly what's going to go into it. You just need to tinker with numbers, like with Scion. And then you got this where you're just like, I don't know what I'm doing, but it's going to be cool. And it's probably going to suck, but I'll be okay with that. Sharima finally got card draw. Yeah, uh, I'm probably gonna try. Um, I'm probably gonna try Akshan Zareth, um, and uh, and play Mono and go Sundisk. Um, I don't really care if I finish leveling up uh, Azir. Oh, Maybe true. I run one copy of it. I don't really mm-hmm. care if I finish leveling up any of the other ascended champions. I think that you can play a support champion to this ascended champion. And play mono. So, and I think you could play either Talia or Akshan. But the reason I want to play Akshan is because I like honestly, I want to get the, I want to level them up. I want to get the countdowns down, destroy those things, mm-hmm. and uh, and get this thing a plus two, plus two, and spell shield because then I feel comfortable playing him at level two until my sun disc finishes counting down because he's a six six with spell shield that keeps blasting the enemy for three. Every time I destroy a landmark, um, and so I, that's where I am. I think I'm. I think I'm Akshan Zareth, um, and playing Mono Sharima Sundisk. You also have that. Uh, two because mana. we have new options. So well, you also have that two mana one four that comes down and gives all of your champions and landmarks spell shield. That thing was Very super clutch um, in my uh, Akshan. Hour. Well, okay. Yes. <laughs> LOL. Your okay. your original list did not have it. Uh, the soothsayer. Uh, that was my Soothsayer idea. is amazing. But Soothsayer became an MVP uh, in that list. Um, and it's surprisingly easy to get when you're playing an Allegiance deck and being able to use Golden Ambassador to ensure you're getting your champions and getting multiple copies of your champions. Uh, so, I, and I, again, hey, there, there's your, there's another four drop, but uh, it is going to be able to filter through to find Zerath, to find Akshan. I think you've got a great point there, though, Mark, in that, you know, there are now enough cards that reduce countdowns that it's probably more viable. Well, maybe not probably. It's possibly more viable to just play a single Ascended Champion with Sundisk and instead focus on reducing the last 15 points of it. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't think it's impossible to do that. Um... Well, and you have the buffed uh, Clockwork Giant one that reduces mm-hmm. uh promised futures or whatever by eight for i think those things are zero mana they are yeah. the clock the clock hand and they're yeah, instant the clock centuries. Hand, thank you yeah focus speed i think yeah i mean yeah. so that drops down on seven and says hey i finished my sun disc <laughs> yeah. 
Well, hey, I tell you what, guys, we've talked about a lot of cards, and we need to work our way out of here because we've been at this thing for a little over two hours, and it's getting late. So let's go ahead and move on over to closing thoughts. And I thought I was already perfect. Okay, guys, closing thoughts are uh, the hope that, you know, not only will LOR, our podcast help you be better at LOR, but also, you know, live better as well. My closing thought for today comes from a reflection that I had dealing with somebody this week that was uncomfortable to deal with and difficult to deal with. And in the end of the day, uh, I was reminded of something a mentor said, and it may have been something that's come up on the show before, but he always said that hurt people hurt people, which seems silly because it's the two words back to back. Um, but the reality is I was, you know, just dealing with a difficult situation this week. And in the end of the day, the person that I was dealing with was hurting. And as a product, that person was trying to hurt me in some capacity. Um, and a lot of times in life, we just have a lot of people who are hurt, who are screwed up, who go around hurting other people, which causes them to be hurt. And then they go and hurt someone else because hurting people hurt people. And it always helps for me when I can remember um, when someone is lashing out at me or someone's going out of their way, you know, to, to attack me. Um, if I can remember that this isn't who they really are and this isn't who they want to be, um, but because they have been hurt or because they are hurting, um, this is how they react to situations. Sometimes it helps me just respond with grace in, in you know, some type of compassion um, for a person that otherwise is positioning themselves as our enemy. Uh, you know, the reality is too often in our world, we talk about, you know, love wins and everyone should love each other. And, and then, but if somebody wrongs you, you really need to destroy them. Um, and I, I think that we're better off understanding uh, what causes other people to hurt us and, and learning to have compassion for that person and look past the hurt that they're trying to inflict on us and see them for where they are and who they really are. So that's my closing thought today. Hurting people hurt people. Uh, anything else to add, guys, before we get out of here and, uh, and, and end the show? New season hype, new meta hype. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's go. I'm trying to get time in this season. If you want to catch us, uh, you can swing by the Discord and catch us there. I stream every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at twitch.tv slash the lift. Um, come and hang out this upcoming Friday. We're going to be playing with the new card, so come and chill there. I'm also the lead pastor of Lux Digital Church, a church for gamers, um, right on the old internets. So you can grab the link for that uh, in this Discord or in the description of this episode as well. If you want to come hang out with us on Wednesday nights at 8.30 p.m. EST, at twitch.tv slash Lux Digital Church. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us and listening to this episode. Be sure to come back again next week when we discuss our first impressions and thoughts once we get our hands on these spicy new cards. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.